This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Hustler-Patterson with you along with Michael Remus. And uh, ooh, lots to get to on a packed show coming up. Uh, we are going to talk NHL. Stanley Cup Final begins tonight. And our man Weeb's World, Ken Weeb, is in Denver. Is going to join us a little bit later on in the program. Of course, the U.S. Open tees off tomorrow. Can't get into a major without having Jeff Feinberg stop by. And we'll also get the thoughts on the Bombers in the Canadian Football League from none other than the GOAT, CFL Hall of Famer, Big Bluto himself, Chris Walby. And I imagine we might talk a little beer with the big guy as well. Um, Of course, Trot's Watch continues. Some developments on that. We'll get to that right out of the gate with Michael Remus coming up in just a second. Do want to thank everyone that's been with us and the growth we've had in the channel over the last little while has been phenomenal. Certainly quite a bit of attention on the channel the last few days since uh, our video we posted out to a potential Winnipeg Jets head coach. Uh, but we have to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including our great friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, F Apparel, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge and Wallace and Wallace, along with Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend Country Club, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug. You've been hearing a lot about them this week, I'm sure. Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Assiniboia Downs, Canadian Club, and of course, Cool Bet Canada. Speaking of Cool Bet, we are going to talk a little golf and the odds board with Jeff Feinberg later on. I did, though, earlier today, sit down with Pat Gregoire and Jake Bolin Moss for an extended U.S. Open betting preview. If you want to check that, go to the Cool Bet Canada YouTube page or any of the socials and check that out. And for you Lock Shop fans, my guy Dustin Nielsen is off on a golf tournament, but Dusty being the workaholic he is, was still planning on cranking out the Lock Shop this morning. However, he forgot his laptop charger back in Edmonton on his way to Cranbrook. That being said, that did not prevent us from doing the show. It did, however, prevent us from doing a video live stream. So the lock shop is in the can. It is up, hitting on tonight's Stanley Cup final. The NBA finals as well. The CFL week two lines and our picks for those as well as the U.S. Open. So wherever you get your podcasts, search lock shop. That's up and ready to go. And uh, we'll have another episode next Tuesday for CFL week three and much, much more. But uh, let's get right to it. Lots to get to. With Michael Remus. Remo, what's going on? How are you? Trying to keep track of all this news that's been coming out here and what to make of it. So, uh, the you know, Stanley Cup starts tonight, but we're having coaches getting fired. Kevin Weeks is dropping some bombs on social media. So there is a lot to get to. So this is a very exciting time in hockey, and I am getting ramped up for the offseason as well. Just speaking of Weeks for a minute, has anyone ever had a more meteoric rise to the pinnacle of the industry? Um, you know, when we think of the insiders and the whole insider game, if you will, I mean, Bob McKenzie, the Bob father, the godfather of the game, has sort of been that guy. And then you had the likes of Drager and LeBron, certainly Elliot Friedman right at the top of the game right now. 
but Kevin Weeks to kind of slide into this, put his own personal touch on it. I mean, I joke that he is the people's insider uh, because of the entertaining way he puts out the content. But Remo, he's breaking all of these stories. Yesterday afternoon, we got a, hey, what's going on, you NHL fans, to let everyone know that Bruce Cassidy was the new head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. And then late last night, pulling out the vinyl, dropping the Rocky theme in the background for the city of Philadelphia, the people's insider Kevin Weeks lets everyone know that there has been an offer made to John Tortorella to be the new head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers, and it is expected that he will accept. Uh, lots of news coming out, and it's all coming out from the most entertaining insider around, our guy Kevin Weeks. Yeah, here it is. We'll flash back to uh, yesterday after the show. Uh, this came out on uh, on Twitter. Here it is. What's going on, you NHL fans? Outside the Tampa Bay Lightning dressing room, Stanley Cup final, breaking news. Breaking news. Vegas Golden Knights are hiring Bruce Cassidy as their new head coach. I repeat, Vegas Golden Knights are hiring Bruce Cassidy as their head coach. All right, another 10 out of 10 for weeks. At the Stanley Cup final, poking his head through some draping outside the Tampa Bay locker room to drop the first week's bomb in what we imagine many dominoes will be going, that Bruce Cassidy... The last guy on the market, the first guy off the market, going to the Vegas Golden Knights. Kind of funny. We talk about, uh, you know, how True North only hires, or that's the joke or whatever, the stereotype that they only hire people that they've had a past relationship. But George McPhee did hire Bruce Cassidy as, uh, what, as in Washington 20 years ago. So he's going back to the well. Bruce Cassidy, a very strong second ground with Boston as we've talked about for the last week, was not happy about being let go. It came as a, a bit of a shock to him. And I think Vegas, they got a good one, good fit for them. Uh, what, he goes from the top line of, of Bergeron, Pasternak, Marchand to, I don't know who they're going to go with, Eichel, Stone, Pacioretty. Uh, so I think Vegas seems to have uh, sorted out their coaching situation. So, you know, Bruce Cassidy, without a job for what, less than a week? Um, pretty... Pretty strong, uh, I think, strong hire. And Vegas, they don't screw around, Huss. They go out and they get their guy. Uh, and so Cassidy, and Cassidy wasn't really a guy. I mean, certainly I think a lot of people thought, hey, this guy's done a great job in the National Hockey League and might be a good guy in Winnipeg. But, I mean, there hadn't really been anybody connecting the dots or connecting him because I think, you know, throughout all of this, it's been pretty clear that Barry Trotz has been the first choice of the Winnipeg Jets. But there was somewhat of a cryptic tweet earlier this week. I'm not sure of this tweet, or maybe Elliot was just talking about it on 32 Thoughts, but did say that he thought that there was a connection between the Philly job and the Winnipeg job and the two candidates for that job, well, one in Philadelphia and one who is at the top of the, uh, the charts in Winnipeg. Of course, John Tortorella, Barry Trotz, both thought to be. Uh, here it is. Oh, and this is another one. Oh, sorry, this is a week's one. Keep an eye on, although the NHL coaching carousel remains fluid with an oversupply of candidates versus vacancies, there might be some connection between the decision of who the NHL Jets and NHL Flyers hire for their head coach. Now, a lot of people thought that that would mean if Barry Trotz went to Winnipeg, John Tortorella would be going to the Flyers. Now, Anthony Sanfilippo reported this earlier today. 
that the Flyers had somewhat of a $7 million offer for Barry Trotz. Um, you know, take that for what it's worth. That would be an incredible amount of money to turn down. And I will be honest, as eager as the Winnipeg Jets have, you know, want Barry Trotz, I never would have thought we'd be talking about a number that high for a Winnipeg Jets head coach. Maybe I am wrong. But the bottom line is John Tortorella sounds like he's going to be the guy in Philadelphia, which means Barry Trotz is on the market and has certainly led many to speculate that um, maybe the second that that video went out on Monday afternoon to pretty much close the deal of Barry Trotz to Winnipeg, Remo. I'm, of course, joking about that, but uh, I would say that the optimism on Trotz to Winnipeg certainly increased. Certainly, I was hearing quite a bit of it coming off of the two weeks bombs with Tortorella likely going to Philly and Bruce Cassidy being in Vegas. Do we want to play the Tortorella one? Do we want to? Absolutely. We here. do. I, okay, I, so. I, we can play it three times. I mean, I, I'm here for weeks all day, all the time. Some breaking news for you NHL fans on the eve of the Stanley Cup final. I'm told that the Philadelphia Flyers are in late stage negotiations with John Tortorella. The deal is not done, but my understanding is that he's been offered the job. More details to come. Gritty, over to you. All right. I know I gave a 10 out of 10 to the previous one of the Lightning. That's actually a 9 because that, my friends, is a 10. The vinyl... The Rocky theme in Philadelphia in the background, turning it over to Gritty. That, my friends, is how it's done. That actually might be an 11 out of 10 if we're running out of room for weeks. But just quickly before we get to it, he was in Denver beforehand. Like, does he have an Airbnb ream uh, with, uh, with a nice record room playing? I mean, where does one get that backdrop when you are on the road? I have so many questions about how he got that done. But I guess the most important question is to what that means for the Winnipeg Jets if Barry Trotz is not going to Philly and he's not going to Vegas and we know the Jets are still locked on their number one choice to come back to Manitoba. Yeah, I had a lot of questions with the vinyl, Kevin Weeks being a vinyl guy, but maybe he's not at his house personally with vinyl. Huss, uh, I used to be very in, but now I could just ask my Amazon speaker to play any song I've ever thought of. And the hassle of taking a record out and putting it on the, the the thing and putting the needle on seems like a, a lot of time wasted when I can just ask uh, a speaker to play whatever song. Anyways, back to uh, back to the, how this affects the Jets. When Cassidy was, I was like, oh, okay, I guess he's not going to Vegas. And then I, he's not going to Philly. However, we do have the report from Anthony Sanfilippo and Crossing Broad that Barry Trotz turn, you know, turned down, this is what's being reported, Seven million dollars from the Flyers, and then we had the bomb from the Nashville Post here. And you know, maybe if you were optimistic about Barry Trotz coming to Winnipeg, what does all this mean? The turning down of a crazy money from Philadelphia, and then it says former Nashville Predators head coach Barry Trotz is a Nashville home over uh, again, home owner, uh, not home, home over. Well, I'm reading trying to read the chat and do this at the same time homeowner so i don't know what this means is this a vacation home is this a primary residence um you know we can take the tour here it says he paid over asking here's 
Here's. Do you want to take? We do a little MTV Cribs here. No, it's almost too creepy to be honest with you. I hey, don't know. the looks like, looks Post, like a nice home. The National Post is putting this out there. <laughs> I don't know. I looked at Marion Rivera just sold a home in Westchester, and I just looked through that. So I guess when you have these expensive homes, um, I don't know what he's got. Double sink, pretty nice. You can do brush your teeth the same time as your wife before you go to bed. It's a nice feature there. <laughs> does look like a nice little home shout nice. out to diversified truck oh no that they're just sponsoring the page of that yeah um listen i know a lot of people were maybe a little freaked out by that i wouldn't i wouldn't take anything barry trotz has had a home in nashville from what i understand ever since he was the coach of the nashville predators and has since been in washington has since been in long island obviously i mean from all that time he was in nashville has some roots there uh and he's got a home there um He's making a lot of money. He can afford a home there. And I know that he's got plenty of roots here in Manitoba as well. Um, I think what all this boils down to, dude, is that as predicted by Elliot Friedman earlier this week, I would imagine there is going to be some level of clarity. And, and I don't want to, like, don't quote me on this one, but I mean, we're here on Wednesday afternoon. If I had to bet one way or the other, I think we'll have some more information, I would say, in the next 48 hours. Uh, I don't think it's happening today because I don't believe that, you know, these teams or the league would be very pleased with, you know, taking away some of the uh, some of the shine and the attention on the Stanley Cup final tonight. But with two games in between game one and game number two on Saturday, and the fact that these teams, as we've seen Vegas and Philly already make their move, um, you know, teams need to get on and be ready for the post-final period of the offseason and get ready for the draft. And the Jets may be at the top of the list, along with Philly. I mean, Vegas knows what they're going to be doing for the most part. They'll tweak their roster, but they're hoping to get guys back healthy. The Winnipeg Jets, and the Flyers for that matter, have huge questions as to how their roster looks next year, potential moves, and... I think both in Philly, where it looks like Torts is going to be the guy, and if Barry Trotz is the guy here, we've said this a number of times, I think they will have some say and some influences into what happens with some of the player moves, especially a guy like Trotz here because of the style that he might be looking at his team to play and how he feels that some players who he'll know quite well from coaching against fit into that. So... I know there's been all sorts of rumblings in and around this city. Um, much of it was probably caused by, um, you know, everyone talking about the free beer offer that we launched out with our friends with the Little Brown Jug, which was obviously more fun. But I think it was great. People are talking about the Jets all over the place. Um, and certainly Barry Trotz knows, um, you know, with the outpouring of agreement and support of that offer, just how much he is wanted here in Winnipeg. So, um, I know there'll be more discussions going on, Remo, but I think Trot's Watch, as great as it's been for Winnipeg Sports Talk and a topic that has continued to bring people back to the channel and introduce a lot of new people to our channel each and every day, I think we're the sand's coming down the hourglass one way or the other um, because, like many teams, the Jets are going to need to make a move on that coach. And fingers crossed that we're going to talk to our friends at Little Brown Jug and have to figure out what kind of beer Barry wants and... Uh, what kind of beer he'd like to be brewed. Yeah, and there's one. So we're looking at the teams who still need a head coach. Joe McDonald out of Boston. He's reporting that the Bruins are going to interview Jim Montgomery, Jay Leach, Joe Sacco, Spencer Carberry, and David Quinn. So Barry Trotz not on the Bruins list 
and we're thinking of, you know, who else needs a coach? Dallas has been linked to Peter DeBoer. Detroit, we're kind of not sure. So I think the teams are winding down. Does he opt for the week off, or is it the year, week off? The year off? I mean, he's still getting paid by the Islanders, or is he moving on something else? So I agree with you. The hourglass seems to be dwindling. The draft is less than a month away, first week of July. Teams are announcing coaches. It's kind of like when you play musical chairs, huh? Some of the chairs are already taken. They've been removed. Who's who's left? And it is uh, the Jets still needing a head coach. So uh, I'm kind of curious if we will see something during the Stanley Cup final as, oh, yeah, that's happening tonight, right? Game one. And uh, Ken Weeb is in Denver. We'll be talking with him later in the show. Yeah, I'm sure Ken will try and squeeze in some abs lightning talk to it, but I think we all know here our main priority now uh, is uh, is on this and with the Winnipeg Jets. Now, someone was just asking, if the Jets do sign Barry Trotz, will we be unfurling the off-season champions banner? No, we will not be. Un- I mean, unless if Pierre Lebrun wants to crown them again, the off-season champs at the end of the off-season, maybe we'll have a banner for that. However, Reem... Your idea last night off air was the perfect one. I think if there will be a banner, a Winnipeg sports talk banner to be raised, it will be the Trots Watch champions of yes. 2022. Yes. So, yeah, exactly. So we already have the WST banners raised last year. Offseason champions, Pierre Lebrun crowned, Pierre Lebrun crowned them offseason. That wasn't us. We just ran with it. So don't get mad. We were just, you know, putting that forward. But yeah, someone asked if we would do another offseason. You can't do whole off season. We'll have a Trots Watch banner made. We'll get a logo done. It's gonna look look fantastic. And we did have a nice uh, graphic here, Trots Watch on our uh, on our social media today. Uh, check it out. Hit the like. It's on Instagram if you haven't seen it. But here it is. Uh, musical chairs. You know we had this done the other day. Let me bring it up. But uh, here he is with with the Flyers. Well, they're off the charts. Is it Detroit? Or is it the Jets and there's Trots Watch on? So very nice graphic. So it doesn't have too many likes, but uh, go and hit the uh, heart on our Twitter or Instagram yeah, on that one. Yeah, you can get that out. You can spread it around if you'd like. There's been a lot of things from the channel that have been spread around this week, most of them involving a beer offer for Ossed Barry Trots. Uh, but the rubber's going to hit the road at some point very soon. Uh, and, and I had and heard from a number of people that said, you know, just wait for the first domino to fall. And many of us thought that Barry Trotz was going to be the first domino to fall. But I think there is an element, particularly considering what's been reported that he was offered in Philadelphia, um, you know, maybe some comparison of, you know, fair market value as opposed to what some of the other coaches are getting paid. Um, so the fact that it was Bruce Cassidy first and now apparently Tortorella, I think you'll have a pretty clear idea of what the market is right now. Although that $7 million number kind of made me jump out of my chair. Um, the bottom line is that's a top player. And I think, you know, you're a head coach can be as important, if not more than just about any player on the ice. Although we know talent wins championships and um, that, that is all part and parcel of the challenge for the Winnipeg Jets to both, you know, get the talent on the team back in order um, in, in a, uh, in a, te- in a, in a, environment that really works together and makes everybody better a huge part of that is the head coach and um, that's why trots watch has been such a big big topic so far so we'll have more of that we'll talk about it with ken weeb coming up a little later on but yes we do have the cup final tonight and 
Uh, as I said, I'm far more obsessed, occupied with what's happening with the Winnipeg Jets. But we know that once the puck drops tonight, there won't be any news, probably. Maybe Kevin Weeks in between periods dropping another bomb. But um, we've got a hell of a series going on, and I have not been as excited for a Stanley Cup final in a long time as this series that begins tonight. Yeah, I think we're going to have a really good matchup as well. Elite teams, you do have some injury news. Braden Point, we've been waiting him to for him to make his debut, and uh, he is going to be in for Game 1, was practicing yesterday. Meanwhile, on the Colorado side, Nazem Kadri did skate this morning, but without a stick, and he did have that thumb injury before. So uh, it was, uh, you know, either way, you have great That's teams. That's really too bad. I mean, it's mm-hmm. great to know that Point is coming back, uh, and it would be an absolute shame if Nazem Kadri's not able to play or if he's able to play basically playing one-handed because he's such a big, big part of of the avalanche. But at the same time, that sort of is part of the reason on something I talked with Dusty in the lock shop earlier today. I still can't wrap my head around Tampa, the way they played, the teams they've beaten, the fact that they're the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions with John Cooper behind the bench, with Andre Vasilevsky in the goal, to be such a significant underdog to the Avalanche going into this series. Yes, I agree, especially with Braden Point is back and you know, you're missing Kadri, you're missing Gerard. I mean, there you can overcome that when you're against Edmonton and Nashville on their what like third string goalie or backup goalie and who was the other one? Uh St. Louis as well. I mean, who's pretty good, but Colorado clearly better than those teams, but they are a favorite. People are picking them to win still, but uh, what was it yesterday? It's I think it's feel like it's a bit closer. Now Tampa Bay's plus one twenty five right now. Wasn't it plus one forty or something before? No, no, we did the show this morning and it was plus one forty four. Uh, the game tonight, Tampa, and we'll get to the cool bet lines. Oh, later this is on, game one. Sorry, game yeah, I'm looking one, at game one one twenty five. But for the series right now, it's still Tampa plus one forty four and Colorado minus yeah, one sixty nine. So I don't. We'll do that. a final look on that at some point before the show a little bit later on today. Um, oh, just, should we also talk about the uh, the reach of our video and uh, where it's gone? I think everyone knows that, you know, if, well, if you haven't, you're popping by, you can, you know, I don't know, put in Google search for trots and beer. Um, our, 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 our passionate offer to try to close the deal to get Barry to Winnipeg with the uh, free beer for life and his signature beer offer from Little Brown Jug went viral almost immediately. I was joking with the guys this morning in Edmonton uh, on TSN that we did the video at about 4.15. We posted it at about 4.30, and we're in the New York Post and tweeted out to 2.7 million followers by 6 o'clock that night. So it certainly did spread like wildfire. But I was expecting it kind of to be more amongst hockey markets, certainly not to the extent it was uh wst is worldwide now remote can you get this up shout out to sasha that sent me a dm earlier today said hustler even in germany in the build zeitung the story about beer for life for barry found their way in incredible go jets go and there it is the piece with a picture of barry trots mentioning little brown jug and the and uh obviously the the show in winnipeg sport and winnipeg jets uh, yeah, Browery locked trainer mit Freibier bis ans Leben Sunday. So I probably butchered that. If you know German, let me know how I did. That was the headline on the article in a German newspaper 
dating back to a video that we did about not even 48 hours ago, Remo. The internet is a crazy, crazy place. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah, my my favorite part was when I was having dinner and I got an alert. I'm like, oh, what is this? It's the score app saying, <laughs> saying Winnipeg Brewery offers free beer to Barry Trotz. It was seemingly everywhere yesterday. They even talked about it on ESPN on their Stanley Cup preview show with the panel. Uh, someone messaged us that. I'm trying to track down a video of it. I don't have it, but maybe... Maybe later, but it's all just speaks to um, the quality of the promo you delivered, as you said yesterday. All the years of watching wrestling paid off. Um, yeah. It was absolutely not- incredibly delivered. <laughs> well, it was well done. Um, I'll yeah. This is. I mean, when we put out the again, I said this yesterday. When we put out the like a pro, initial videos announcing we were doing this, I was blown away by that response. But this is. I didn't think we'd be able to do that, duplicate that. It's seemingly uh, we have. Barry Trot's still trending on Twitter uh, yeah. a day later. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, the bar's been set pretty high. I don't know whether we'll be able to top it, but tell you what, it doesn't matter if uh, if the quest that we are on can be successful and it ends with us having a little bit of welcome home Barry celebration here on the program. I know Jet fans will be fired up. The city and the province will be fired up, and I think it'll be a great team for the hockey club. And certainly, if Barry wants to take us up on the offer, our friends at LBJ will be more than happy to make this happen. All right, Ken Weeb coming up in about 20 minutes or so. He's going to join us from Denver. Uh, We'll start off talking Jets, the offseason, but we'll certainly get to the Stanley Cup final as well. We will talk U.S. Open. But we're going to hook up with Chris Walby in just a minute. And, uh, hey, of course, I just got a DM this morning from our pal Pitt uh, Turan over at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. The big boys are coming out of the lake right now. Uh, it has been ridiculous fishing as they embark on what will be their busiest year ever out at Aikens Lake. I'm going to be heading out there at some point, probably in early August. I'm literally counting down the days until it because it's just such a unique, one-of-a-kind opportunity to fly in. You feel like you're far away, but you're not. You get on the water in about two hours, um, taken care of by some of the best people around, an incredible environment, and uh, you know, peace and quiet off the grid, pulling in trophy fish after trophy fish out of the water at Aikens Lake. Find out more at AikensLake.com or Hit Pitteran up and check out what they're pulling out of the out of the water as well on Twitter at Aikens Lake. Um, our friends at Wallace and Wallace, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist, are uh, working hard this summer. You're seeing their fences and trucks all over the city. Um, they've been doing this for both people at homes and businesses for over 75 years here in Winnipeg. Um, if you need the security and protection of a new fence, uh, they have you covered with pretty much everything, vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences available. And hey, if it's time to replace your garage door, they've also got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give them a call at 204-452-2700. A Wallace expert will make it time to come and give you a free estimate. And you can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop into their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Really fired up to have our boys down at F Apparel continuing on with us. Ken, I'm sure when he joins us, will be wearing one of his fine creations from Andrew at F Apparel. Um, bottom line is every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. Many of you, depending on what you do, need more. 
And F Apparel's custom suits begin at just $400. They've also got an incredible selection of shirts, golf pants, and more. So before you go and go to where you've always been before and pick up your next outfit, see what the guys at F Apparel have, especially if you're thinking about a new suit. And for you fellows that are involved in a wedding, having one, or in a wedding party, talk to them about their 15% off deal when your wedding party gets your suits from F Apparel. They're at 190 Smith Street downtown, and you can check them out online at fapparel.com. And hey, with the cup final beginning tonight, you know our friends at Royal Sports are ready for it. I mean, listen, obviously, being a Jets guy, I'm not really one to be rocking gear from other NHL teams, uh, but there's nowhere, <laughs> anywhere, that has better NHL merchandise than Royal Sports. So if you want to jump on the Lightning bandwagon or you're an Avs fan that needs to get the gear ready for the next couple of weeks, get on down to Royal Sports. They've got you covered. While you're there, check out tons of Blue Jays gear, new Bomber gear, including the new jersey and exclusive championship hats, tons of Jets gear as well, NBA, world soccer, and more. And of course, the soccer equipment section is expanded right now. Boots, top-of-the-line cleats, softball, baseball, massive hockey section, and expanded bikes for the summer, fitness gear, and more. It's all there at Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. And follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest uh, merchandise drops and sales. All right, Bombers back in action on Friday. A rematch from last Friday's CFL opener, which they won in a nail-biter thanks to the heroics of backup quarterback Drew Brown. Tomorrow on the program, uh, we'll, well, we'll be doing what we normally do, hopefully talking more about Barry Trotz and maybe the Winnipeg Jets. But when we finish up at three, we'll turn it over to Darren Bombing and Chris Walby for an edition of Game Day Winnipeg. And it's always a pleasure to have the big guy join us, Chris Walby, now on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Bluto, welcome back to the program. How are you? Um, uh, you know what? I'm doing fantastic there, Huss, and I'm really happy to be back here. You know, I always know it's football season when you guys call and say, hey, can you join the big man? I said, yes, I can. And I'm calling you the big man, brother, because you are. Well, I appreciate that. And to be honest, I thought we'd be talking about how if you're working on some uh, power play drills, some breakouts, some penalty killing, uh, trying to join <laughs> a new, certainly new head coach's staff to maybe get into that beer. I know there's few people in my circle that enjoy a cold one more than you, my friend. Oh, listen, when I heard about you guys, and I know you guys are responsible for that too, partly, and uh, the little brown jug, got to love that, man. I mean, you remember uh, I remember uh, Weston Dressler in Saskatchewan, they were trying to bring him back, and they said, you know, they're offering him, I think, pizza or, or whatever, some kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, this is something, you know, dear to my heart. <laughs> little brown jug offering beer for life. I mean, I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is phenomenal. And, uh, you know, they got great beer too. That's another thing, right? I mean, they got all those different brews. Uh, there's so many microbreweries out there, but Little Brown Jug standing up big time, jumping out, and uh, boy, good for them, boy. And I, I hope it, I hope it comes to fruition. I know I read somewhere on Twitter that uh, Miles Gorell has been hired as a defensive coach, and I've been as a special <laughs> coach. So, uh, listen, I, 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 I love the guy. Obviously, Manitoba-born guy, Dauphin, Manitoba. Uh, listen, I'd love him to come home, and uh, like I said. If he wants me to deliver it, I'll deliver it. If he wants me to make sure that it's all right and it tastes right and the foam is good and you got good head on that beer, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. <laughs> you certainly are the guy. If there was ever, you know, we'll talk to our friends at LBJ. I mean, maybe they need a quality, quality control guy to go in and check everything Absolutely. off the line. Hey, I will say that, Bluto. 
We're doing a show on next Friday, not this Friday, but the following Friday, live at Little Brown Jug. I'm not sure if you're in the city then, uh, but we'll probably be doing some others. We need to get you down and do it like we used to do in person at some point. And oh, by the way, um, there'll be plenty of beer for you as well when we do, do that. So let's we make might, that happen. I might have to mark that down on the old calendar, man. Uh, <laughs> you're right. I do. I do like to go to the lake, but you know, sometimes we don't go to Saturday. So, uh, you know what, if you guys could remind me and, uh, you know, put that in my old thing, I'll, uh, I'll definitely look at that because, uh, man, you know what, I'm a, it's tough for me to turn down that. That's just, you know, what? a little talk for some cold suds. Come on, baby. And if I can make a relationship with these guys, I'm telling you, we're going to have the biggest damn group hug you ever seen. Uh, listen, first round pick, first overall for our Little Brown Jug show is number 63, Chris <laughs> Walby. So let's get there working go, on that. Let's talk some football, though. Um, Very hey, interesting win for the Bombers in week one at IG field and first things first glorious night. Great to see everyone else out, yes. um, you know, just yes. getting back in the rink that the excitement and exuberance of bomber fans of celebrating last year's great cup. But uh, it was very, it was very apparent very quickly that this is a new season, a new team and new opponents and the Ottawa red blocks look nothing like that three and 11 team that was last year. Um, and the bombers look like they've got a little bit of work to do. Um, you know, when you look back at that game, Chris, do you look more at, man, this is a team that knows how to win the heart of a champion, the backup quarterback coming in and leading the victory late? Yeah. Or is it more going, whoa, this team's got to have a lot of work to do if they want to reach the very high bar that they've set over the last couple of seasons? I know I think uh, you hit on a, on a head a number of factors there. Listen, first off, let's talk about the Red Blacks. I mean, we never got a chance to see Paula Police last year. I thought that was a terrible, you know, scheming thing. Uh, we put the schedules together. Uh, we got a chance to see back-to-back now. And it's just amazing to me what a quarterback can do for a team. Ottawa, you know, they went through a duck guy last year. They had so many, uh, you know, so many guys back trying to be the guy at the quarterback position. And they couldn't get anything done. And if you can't move the ball, your defense is on the field all game. They can't stop eventually. They break down. But I love what they've done. I mean, they picked up a bunch of guys from Hamilton. Obviously, Jalen Acklin, what a, day, a game he had. But Mazzoli, he's the, you know, he's the guy that stirs the pot. And I'm just happy for him. And then I look at the other side and I go, okay, yeah, it was interesting because, you know, Coach O'Shea always protects his players. He, he has from day one, he'll do it to the end of his coaching career. And a lot of guys were talking about Winston Rose. You know, he had a rough go. I mean, obviously, he led the team in tackles with nine, which is not a good sign for a defensive back. Uh, you know, he's a he's a perennial all-star. He might have had an off game. I think, you know what, he came off the boot injury, came right back. Was he a step slow? Probably. But this is a guy that's an all-star. But I still think the guy they miss most of all is the guy in the middle, Brandon Alexander. There's no fear factor back there right now. These guys are going deep. There's a lot of miscommunication. They're trying to get things going. Um, but I love it. I love the way the league is going. Listen, I'm jacked about B.C., I'm jacked about the fans coming back at Edmonton, even though they, you know, they really surprised me you know, the way they played. Uh, you know, Saskatchewan coming on. Uh, you know, Toronto. I've never seen so much hype for Toronto. I mean, they played tomorrow in their opener against Montreal, and I love the fact that Montreal's owners guaranteed a win. Uh, you know, it just to me, it, this is what CFL is about. This is why the game is so loved by everybody because it's starting to bring it up. We look at things. And when the league looks good and, and does things right, the league just looks fantastic to me. And, uh, you know, 
I'm not talking about the, any other league or the uh, one down south. I just love our league. Let me ask you about the, the offensive line because no one knows it better than you. Yep. You mentioned Andrew Harris, you know, making his debut for the Argos. Um, he's been such an important player on this football team since setting foot back in his hometown from the British Columbia Lions and yep. really being a, a leader in turning around the culture and leading the team to the heights that they've had. There's a lot of excitement and hope for Brady Oliveira and Johnny Augustine, but it's pretty simple. I mean, you look at the running game in game number one, and it just did not cut the mustard. How much of that, in your opinion, was on some younger, inexperienced running backs? Uh, or did the offensive line look a little different? Uh, Drew Desjardins not there anymore. I mean, was that how yeah, much of the lack know. of success of the running game? Um, wh- wh- where do they, where do they need to get better? I guess Chris is a simple spot. You know, it's interesting. I I think it's just the fact that they've got to get used to each other. I mean, you were talking about Andrew uh, Andrew Harris. Uh, you know, he he's been the main cog in that backfield for years. Uh, you know, one of the best to ever play this game. A, a first you know ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, they were. I think they had combined rush thirteen for twenty-seven yards. You, they, they. You know, it's funny. They only gave uh, Johnny Augustine uh, three carries. Uh, I'm a little surprised because when you're going against a, a defensive line like they were playing against Ottawa, and you got a little bit of a, a, a scat back in Oliveira, and then you got a downhill a guy compared to Mike Pringle, a guy compared to Willer, uh, compared to Willard Reeves in Johnny Augustine. I, I think I'd like to see a little bit more of him in there. And this is nothing against Brady Oliveira. I think they're both good. But I think it's just going to be repetitions. You know, Huss, I think once they get used to the offensive line, once they start to get a little bit familiar again, uh, I think this thing will all work out. But it's interesting when you talk about Andrew. I, I watched uh, an interview with Andrew Harris this morning in Toronto. And they are asking how he feels and how, how he felt about the fact that the Bombers didn't run the ball well. He was very politically correct. You know, he pulled a Justin Trudeau and he said, you know, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, it's okay. But then he kind of said something that caught my eye and he said, you know what, this year I am in shape. And that threw me off a little bit. He said, I came into camp last year. I really didn't have a good off season. I had some things going on. Wasn't really in great shape. This year I'm in game shape. I feel great. I'm ready to play. So I, I for me, um, you know, getting a little bit off topic with uh, Brady and uh, Johnny, I'm actually going to watch the Toronto game because I want to see what happens with them. I really want to see what Toronto's done, what pinballs put together out there. Um, to me, if if they do well, this league, because Toronto, you know what it's like. Be, uh, we, we could talk about BC after, but the markets that need to get better are the ones that are exciting me right now. Well, I, 100%, and we know where it is. I mean, it's those two teams that yeah. are playing tomorrow night, Toronto and Montreal and BC. And I got to yeah. tell you, as someone that loves the Canadian Football League and wants this league to succeed – the best thing that happened coming out of week one of the Canadian Football League wasn't even on the field. Although the shit kicking that the BC Lions Ooh, gave the Edmonton Elks was something that made the fans. But the fact that they got 34,000 asses in the seats, yes. the work that their organization did, putting on the pregame entertainment both in the building, outside of the building. Uh, people have been buzzing about this all week long in Vancouver. And BC Lions saying that game, I think, will we will look back at it as were you there? Or do you remember when? Um, because yeah. hopefully it's the dawn of something new. Listen, it's just one game. Unfortunately, they've got to buy this week, so you can't really jump right on the momentum. But yeah. if if there's any way that those two franchises franchises out east could do half of the work and have half of the success that it seems like the BC Lions have had in the offseason, that's a great thing for three down football in our country. 
You know what? It's funny. Uh, you know, Huss, I, I was looking at uh, the BC thing, and I, I and I'm thinking to myself, it's the first time, and I don't know how many years, so that they opened the upper deck. I mean, think about that. And I think back to when we used to play there. It was the worst place to play was in the dome there because when it was fifty thousand people, you couldn't hear. We had to put special microphones in our helmets because we couldn't hear. We had to hold hands on the offensive line so we'd know when the snap count was. That's what they're going to build toward again. Uh, and I really do believe it. And you know what? This new owner, fantastic job of getting the youth involved. When you get the young kids, the future of the game involved, and they're loving the game, they're coming out. And that's what I, I you know, to, to echo your point, it's such a wonderful thing to see. Now I want Toronto to do the same thing. Toronto, let's get your fans out. Let's do something I know. Uh, you know, you, you guys can do it because once you guys do it, we will have a league like no other. I mean, it'll be back to where it used to be really a, a powerful, strong league. Well, and the other thing about that game was, I mean, you had a Canadian quarterback starting yes. and running yeah. rampant all over Edmonton. And oh my listen, God. without any skin in the game, and I, I'll say this about Edmonton, incredible fan base. They've supported yeah. that team so well for years. Last year was a disaster. Yes. It was an embarrassment. And that's the reason why they cleaned house the way they did. And I think Victor Quee, this dude that's running the team now, gets it. And I think oh, yes. that, you know, they're on the right track. However, you need to be better than the Elks were. Um, they're going up there, eight-point underdogs against the Riders on the weekend. I mean, you do wonder if they get embarrassed again, what that does to the optimism that was going into the season. But as a former Canadian player, Chris, I'm sure you had a bit of a smile seeing what Nate Rourke was doing on Saturday night. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, first off, you know, I, I was one of those guys that I, I I had a question mark there. I was like, Kenny, can this kid take it? Can he turn it? And then you watch him play and how calm and cool he was. Uh, the way he threw the football, he threw tight spirals. He threw them into, you know, little areas that you can only throw the ball. And then he took off. Now, were there breakdowns? Absolutely. When you saw the Edmonton Eskimo or Edmonton Elks, I'm still Eskimo, uh, you know, and they let him go around on short yarders twice on a third down, run around the side. And one, he ran for a touchdown. And one, he ran for a ton of yards. Mental breakdowns. Listen, Edmonton lost the last preseason game. And he got kicked. He just got kicked by BC. They have got to turn things around because all the work in the world done by the new owner. If you start going in the, in, in the outhouse, it's tough. People say, you know what? Because look at Saskatchewan. They're fans. They're, you know, they're complaining about a lot of the fans that come to the game. Well, you know, the people, the farmers are out in the fields. The gas is stupid. So you get the, the Saskatchewan fans drive from everywhere to go to that game. But now gas is nuts. And like you said, they're in the fields doing their farming. It hurts, but they're still buying tickets. I think they'll still go. I'm excited for Saskatchewan. Their defense looked outstanding. They look like midseason. Um, yeah, it's it, farmers. It's not going to be no easy ride this year, kid. I'm telling you right now. Uh, I'm looking forward to the game on Friday in Ottawa to see how these guys do. Um, it's good to have Jackson Jeffcoat back, I'll be honest with you, right there. Uh, but I still think the man they really missed the most, I think, still is that safety guy, Ran Alexander. I think he's the guy that stirs the pot back there. We would have thought that the guy that they would miss the most in any situation, especially down a few points in the final minute and a half of the game would be Zach Caleros. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, wh what were you thinking when you saw the concussion spotter take him out of the game and how impressed were you with the poise and the execution of Drew Brown, 
who most Bomber fans had really never seen do much of anything in a regular season game, although he did look pretty good in the preseason. Yeah, he looked good in the first preseason game. Didn't really, you know, didn't really do anything in the second. So I guess my uh, jury was out for me on him. But uh, you know what? I, I'm probably one of the guys that really agreed with the call of pulling Zach out. I mean, the way he grabbed his helmet, the way he laid there, uh, just for the fact that he has the history. You yeah. got to be, you got to be smart in this case. You know, this is a guy that your franchise is built around. He's the highest paid player in the CFL. Um, he's a guy that's led you to two great cups. You, you can't take a chance. So to me, yeah, it's three plays, and then they make a decision. Now Drew Brown came in, and man, I tell you, he looked very impressive, very calm. But I said this on Bonfire Sports. What surprised me more than anything was the way that Ottawa sat back and played a soft zone rather than really get into the rookie's face and try and make him, you know, force a mistake or hold the ball. Uh, but he did a great job. Like, they brought pressure one time. He got Dembski over the middle. Then the guy that I think is going to be a stud for us, Greg Ellingson, I just love this guy. The guy's been a star everywhere he's played, so he's happy to be here too. So, no, Drew Brown, good for you, big man. You played very well in the toughest scenario you could even imagine, coming in cold with the game on the line. It was great. And just back to Ottawa for a minute. I mean, you mentioned the way that they covered. And then, I mean, the inexcusable time management gap at the end of the first half, Ludo. I mean, we were in the game. We were at the game. And, you know, we saw the play go. And I guess maybe we were as clued out as the Ottawa sideline was. And some of the players (laughs) on the field were. We saw the Bombers jumping on the field. go, wait a second. Did they? Oh, my God. And, man. When you think about it, Chris, they lost by two points. I yep. mean, there were this Ottawa team will be ready to go in their home opener on Friday night, knowing that they left so many opportunities on the table. They should have probably won that game last week. But at the same time, I imagine the Bombers realize that they maybe got away with one and they'll look to be much, much better in their next, oh, their next game out. On both sides. I mean, Paula Police said it was a miscommunication thing. It happens in the first game. And then you talked about the game, the drop ball by Jalen Acklin when he was wide open. It could have been a touchdown right there, right? I mean, that to me, it was like, that's when you get the Argo bounce. They got the Bomber bounce on that play uh, because it could have went ugly right away. But listen, the Bombers still win the turnover battle. And you know what the odds are that when you win the turnover battle, normally you win the football game. The Bombers just find a way. They, they have that much talent and they have such belief when you're, when you're that good. Uh, that they can come back at any time in the game. But you have to have a team that has – they have to crush Winnipeg to get Winnipeg out of it. And, uh, I mean, they're winning at the third quarter. I think it was 14 to 11 or something. And I went, wow, Bombers at home. This would be the first, end of streak of their winning streak. So, yeah, he was uh, – you know what? You knew Paula Police and uh, and the coordinators there were going to be doing a great job. Mike Benavides, uh, they got this team ready. They're going to correct the mistakes, much like the Bombers are going to correct their mistakes. And uh, it should be a hell of a game on uh, Friday night. Yeah, no doubt about it. CFL Hall of Famer Chris Walby with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Don't forget to check out uh, Game Day Winnipeg with he and Darren bombing, leading into each and every Winnipeg Bomber game. And, of course, you can check that out on the Bonfire Sports YouTube channel. Uh, Part of what you mentioned, I mean, the, the Ottawa having that lead, and the Bombers were up yeah. 11-10, I think, at the end of the first quarter. And we were sitting with a bunch yeah. of guys that were on either sides of the over-under. And we thought, oh, a lot of points early on. Um, well, everything kind of paused for at least the Bombers offensively through the yeah. second and third quarter. And 
a big part of that was the lack of success in the running game and going two and out. I, when you yeah. look at this, and I get, kind of get back to the topic that we started on earlier on, Chris, um, how important is it for the Bombers to establish that running game early to not they put it to. all on the on the on the shoulder of Zach Caleros um, and avoid going half a game without really anything significant on the offensive side of the football? Well, it, it's definitely you have to get it out, whether it be screen passes, whether it be shovel passes, but they definitely got to get the run game. And when he, and that's surprising. I mean, they ran the ball 17 times, right? I mean, so it's not like they didn't run the ball, you know, a little bit or gave up on it. They weren't down. They didn't have to, you know, abandon the run game. They just didn't get any success. So you got to give credit to guys like Coleman and Lang and, you know, the defensive tackles in the inside for the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks. But, They'll, they'll stay at it. it. I'm guaranteed it'll be a better game this week for the uh, for the Bomber running game. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how they grade it out. Uh, you know, you can't really talk about those because I know that the head co- the O-line coach won't talk about it. But I'd really like to see because I know they got a kid they really like. And I know Jeff Gray's finally got a spot at left guard. But I, I think sometime during this year, he's going to be really pushed by Liam Dobson. He's a big kid, big Buffalo guy, kind of a guy, gorilla type guy, very aggressive. Not to say Jeff Gray isn't, and I'm not saying Jeff Gray is doing bad. I'm just saying uh, it'll be interesting how that comes around. Uh, but they have to get the run game to answer your question. You can't rely on having the defense tee off on Zach because Zach's the one that's going to take you. Now, listen, no no disrespect to Drew or the uh, other guy. Um, I just think that uh, Zach's the guy. You got to keep him standing, keep him clean. And if the running game doesn't go, he's going to see opportunities where he has to take off of the ball or he's going to take some hits. Chris Walby with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, any thoughts on this Calgary-Hamilton game this weekend? And I know there's some question marks on the quarterback on both sides. I think Dane Evans yeah. is under a ton of pressure. I mean, the way they started, the Ooh, lack of anything baby. going on. And, of course, that was 24 hours after Jeremiah Masoli did what he did against the vaunted Blue Bomber defense. And on the Calgary side of things, I mean, he came out with that win, but it was on the back of Jake Mayer getting it done in crunch time like after Bo kid. Levi was like pretty potential. Kid. You like him. I think Dave Dickinson really likes him too, Bobby. Oh, God, yeah. We heard him at the end of the game saying, and it was a very interesting interview because he was happy that they won. He was giving credit to both guys, but he was very clear saying, we have as much confidence in both oh, our absolutely. quarterbacks. And I'm not sure whether Bo Levi's time as the starter for Calgary might be over sooner as opposed to later, because I think if you pump some truth or serum into Dave Dickinson with the game on the line, I'm not sure he doesn't go with the kid. And it's interesting you say that, Hus, because I, I watched his interview today. I like to go around after their practices and see what they're they're on the line here. And Dave said if they're both healthy, then he's going to go with Bo. But I agree with you. There's no nervousness now because if Bo struggles at all, uh, this Jake Mayer kid, this kid is a starter in my mind and any team. He's that good. I mean, when he, when he played against Winnipeg in that first game last year, and he almost won at home here and against Bombers, uh, I, I looked at the way this kid's so composed, throws the ball exceptionally well, great presence in the pocket. So, yeah. And then you talk about another guy. You talked about Hamilton. That offensive line was about as bad a display of as an offensive line as I've seen. They gave up eight sacks. Now, I understand that's in combination with the running back who has to block sometimes, too. But, I mean, when you're in the paper and they're dogging a guy and they pull him and they get an injury and they got to put him back in and they said he didn't do any better, and then you're <laughs> reigning MVP or East nominee Chris Van Zeel has a worse game than he probably had in his career. 
They gave up eight quarterback sacks. It's crazy. I'm no wonder Dane couldn't throw. He's just counting clouds. So, you know, uh, they got to get better up front big time. Uh, maybe they got to run the ball a little bit more effectively, take away the pressure. But uh, uh, Calgary's defense is very good. Uh, Junior Thurman and those guys there. Uh, Mike Rose in the middle. They got a, they What's got going a on whale here? of a talent there. Uh, I think this West division is going to be crazy this year. I talked about Saskatchewan, Cody Vajardo starting to throw the ball deep. That was a big stink last year, right? Now I look at him. I uh, threw the ball extremely well. Then you got Calgary, who I've always liked. I mean, they're always, you know, anytime you got Johnny Huffnagel and Dave Dickinson together, you know, they're going to be good. BC surprised the heck out of me, but I'm so happy for him. I like Rick Campbell, great guy. And then you got, uh, you know, the Bombers and uh, who am I missing? Oh, the, the, Elks. Oh, the Elks. The Elks. Let me reach down into the outhouse to pull up their resume. Oh, here it is. There they are. Hey, come on. You got to shake off that poop. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, Bluto, this has been so much fun. Now, when are you and DB teeing up uh, the game day edition? I imagine probably tomorrow, either afternoon or evening, yep. and that should be up for a good uh, 24 hours leading into game time so people can uh, get all their pregame coverage on the game from uh, from you and DB. You betcha. I think we're doing it at 3 o'clock tomorrow. Um, Perfect. But I want right? to say something. Hey, congratulations to you. If I'm not mistaken, did I read you guys one podcast of the year or something? We did. We did. Well, it, it was even better considering what happened to the demise of our station, but it was radio station and podcast of the year. I guess oh, they right changed on. it. Good. So, Congrats, uh, brother. Well-deserved. Well, you know what? Well Listen, deserved. we got to thank everyone. We've had some great support ever since we got out of the gate. And it's been right really on, cool buddy. to see how many sports fans are sort of pivoting, whether they where they normally got their information for and still following us and supporting. And, of course, what Darren's doing uh, with you uh, on the football yeah. scene and Kenny and Rennie and I see uh, there's still a lot of great contents, just a little bit of a different spot, but uh, we appreciate that Bluto big time. A big part of that was having great guests like you come on with us and uh, tell you what, I'll be looking forward to handing the baton to you guys after our show tomorrow. And hopefully a lot of people will hang around and uh, just head over and catch up on uh, all the bomber info heading into tomorrow's game two of the season and the rematch against the Red Blocks. Hey, Huss, thanks for having me, guys. I love it here. I love you guys. And listen, don't forget about me now because I'm telling you, now I got a little brown jug marked in my back. I'm thinking, hey, baby, we're going to have a couple of colies. <laughs> the invite is out, Bluto. We'll be in touch. Right, and now hopefully we'll be talking about a 2-0 team by the time we get there. Thanks for doing this, dude. Anytime, brother. Always a pleasure. You guys have a great day. All right, great stuff with Big Bluto and great news for Blue Bomber fans. Listen. Awesome to see what Drew Brown was able to do late in the fourth quarter. But Zach Caleros back on the field for practice and is expected to start for the Bombers on Friday in the nation's capital. All right. Weber coming up from the cup final in a minute. I want to give a big thanks to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market. It's so great to have them on board. And man, they've got some excellent stuff coming up in the month of June, um, including and maybe make this uh, make a note, especially if you're in the uh, in the south side of the city. Uh, the Vita Health Block Party and Barbecue is coming up on Saturday, June 25th. So not this weekend, but the following weekend, 11 to 1 a.m. at the Linden Ridge location at 1751 Keniston. Bring the whole family for face painting, games, product samples, and a free lunch. And of course, you'll be able to pop in to the newest of seven Vita Health locations there at Linden Ridge. And check out the best selection of natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries in the city from the experts that have doing it 
for what six seven decades here in winnipeg and southern manitoba you can check out those delicious lunch options as well vitamarket salads soups sandwiches and more in particular that falafel salad and you can get your barbecue on with delicious lean bison steaks or chicken perfect for this time of year and hey if you can't make it in store check out their brand new fully shoppable website at myvita.ca to buy online schedule a delivery or in-store pickup Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives now with seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store and the home of that June 25th barbecue event for the whole family in Linden Ridge online at myvita.ca. And speaking of living good, Culligan Water, you got to eat good at Vita Health. You got to stay hydrated like our next guest always does with our friends at Culligan. Culligan Water is the experts for over 65 years locally owned in Winnipeg in the water game. They've got your water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Visit them at 1200 Sargent Avenue. You can call them at 694-5180 and online at drinkculligan.com. And, you know, Ken is a guy that has a, a motor that is always running, a good battery, if you will. It's almost like he was powered by Manitoba Battery down on 1026 Logan Avenue because not only is Ken always fully powered, but he likes a great deal as well. And Manitoba Battery is the place where you'll save time and, most importantly, money over going to those big box stores like Canadian Tire and Costco. And they've got the experts to help you with whatever your battery needs are, especially for the summer. You want to work on a boat, that golf cart, hot rod. They've got the batteries for it. And the best part about it is they're open until 8 o'clock right now with their extended spring and summer hours to save you time on the weekend. Pop down and see Donnie and the gang, 1026 Logan Avenue, 783-8787 if you want to call them in advance, make your order and have it ready for a quick and easy pickup. And of course, you can check them out online at manitobabattery.com. All right. Walking the mean streets of Denver, Colorado, looking for something, maybe just the meaning of life right now. <laughs> it's Ken Weeb who joins us. What's up, Weeber? Also, it's great to see you. Uh, our Uber has arrived, but he is not at the right entrance. So... Uh, as you know, Sean and, and I, we like to have a few technical difficulties to get the day rolling. And apparently our Uber is now having his own technical difficulties. Speaking, is Rennie riding shotgun with you out there or what's going on? Uh, yes. Uh, he, hang he, on a sec here. Well, K&R, both live, just <laughs> working the hang on, phones. Hang on. Is he an insider <laughs> now? Is he talking to his family or is he getting some scoop on Barry Trotz? What's going on? Give, it, give us the latest, oh, Ken. here. Uh, this sorry, is the latest, uh, the latest, If I mean, Kevin Weeks, People's Insider, uh, reporting John Tortorella to Philly as the offer, not done, unless something's happened during lunch. Uh, I don't have it locked down, but I think the Jets are still very much in play for Barry Trotz. I think there are still a couple of moving parts in terms of maybe there could be some interest still from Boston. Uh, and then perhaps there's still some questions about Florida, what's happening there. But I think there's still a better than decent chance that Barry Trotz ends up with the Winnipeg Jets. Huss. I mean, again, it's not confirmed, not locked down, but I still think there's strong consideration being given. 
And it would not surprise me if he is the next head coach of the Jets. But like I said, it's still still a little bit. The, the Trots watch is still in flux, I believe. And it also, some of the buzz around here is still a chance he may not coach at all this year. So it's still in a holding pattern. Let's go with that. Let's face it. The real buzz all around the Stanley Cup final is probably a certain Twitter video that was dropped Monday afternoon, trying to close the deal for when Barry trots to get here to Winnipeg. <laughs> Did you see that? Andrew, you you're doing it. You're doing an incredible job on the promotion side. And uh, the media folks have definitely been, uh, been talking about the, uh, the beer for life opportunity uh, that has been, that uh, has been brought How up. How do you say no to that? Well, uh, <laughs> that's definitely fair. Uh, Barry, Barry is a guy who I, the only thing I would say Barry can afford his own beer, but I mean, hey, it's an enticing offer. There's no doubt about it. What about being what? Like, it's one thing to be able to afford your own beer. The one thing that money can't buy is being iconically <laughs> branded on your own beer for that. And again, we've got all sorts of potential names for the Trots beer <laughs> or lager. We put that up to Barry. All jokes aside, though, um, you know we've a lot. We've kind of talked about this standstill in the coaching market with many quality candidates, many great great openings. Yeah. Um, and the thought was that Barry Trotz would be the first domino. Well, Barry will decide to go and then everything else will happen. It hasn't gone that way. He's certainly been playing this out and, you know, going through all of his options, I would assume. And in the meantime, you mentioned Tortorella to Philly. Yesterday, Bruce Cassidy to Vegas. I mean, right. what can we take away from those hirings? It, first off, your thoughts on them and maybe what that might mean for Winnipeg's position in the coaching hiring market. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Bruce Cassidy last week, Huss. Uh, I think he would have been someone the Jets would have had some interest in just based on his pedigree and his, I think, 671 winning percentage with the Bruins, one cup final, six playoff seasons. Uh, but to me, it seems like, I mean, obviously, you know, Vegas had been linked to trots a little bit, but, uh, you know, they acted quickly and they, they got someone who they're very happy with. So what that means is Barry Trotz is definitely not going to Vegas, but that also made sense to us because of what we've been talking about from the beginning. The fact that if Barry Trotz is looking for a post-coaching career on the management side, uh, the suite level in Vegas is uh, fairly full with uh, George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon and the people that work on that staff. So I don't think that was ever going to be a strong consideration unless Barry kind of you know, eased back on the management side. In terms of Philly, to me, Philly doesn't make a whole lot of sense for Trotz, just based on where their team is. But Philly thinks their team is more advanced than a lot of the people who follow hockey say. I mean, not that they can't get it turned around quickly, but I don't know if you're Barry Trotz and you're looking at that to be your last job. There's still a kind of a reloading portion that could still include some rebuilding, uh, depending on what kind of moves they make in the offseason, and we know they're going to be aggressive. Uh, so to me, Philly makes some sense, but not a whole lot of sense to me. So to me, Florida is still, you know, Sean and I, me have been talking about this for the last two days. I understand that Florida is still paying Joel Quenville, but if you're a team that won the president's trophy and got swept in the second round and you're trying to put yourself over the top and you're not, you know, who knows what's happening with brunette, but if you're doing interviews and looking for an upgrade, I mean, tax-free state as well, but I guess, you know, Florida, maybe they don't want to pay 10 million for two coaches, but I mean, Barry is a guy that could solve some of the issues in Florida too, but 
that's also what has made him appealing for Winnipeg from the very beginning as well. And, and we funny- know there's family considerations too, Huss, right? For Barry uh, with his son and with his family. So I still think there's some gravitational pull. I mean, yes, we know it. You know, Barry was in Dauphin on the weekend, but that was probably just to visit his family. It wasn't, uh, you know, a precursor to some announcement. But, you know, once the next, you know, the Cassidy domino fell, if the Tortorella domino falls, I think we're getting closer to when Barry's going to make up his mind. But us, I've said this to you from the beginning. The issue when a team gets bounced in April is that it feels like everything is taking forever. But when you look at the calendar, it's only June, right? So I, I know everyone would like to get their situation sorted out. But much like, I mean, you know this very well from your, you know, being a fan of the KC Chiefs. The enemy could never do those interviews. And then all of a sudden he was left without a chair all these times, right? So we know some teams are interested in guys like Derek Lalonde, uh, maybe even Jeff Halpern. So I just think there's a lot of due diligence happening. And the other part of it, Huss, when you're looking at someone like Barry Trotz, it's a big, t- and Tortorella, those are big mm-hmm. investments, if you're looking at the high-end coaches that make the high-end kind of money. So I think teams are being thorough and the people uh, that are looking for those jobs are being thorough also. Yeah, I, well, and I mean, it's such an important decision. You would expect nothing less of teams to be thorough and do that. But I mean, I think we've sort of understood that that's been happening. And another part of the reason why I think the Trots watch is at DEFCON 5 right now <laughs> is that Elliot Friedman, widely regarded as the best yeah. of the game, has said that, you know, and earlier this week, he wouldn't be surprised if at some point later on this week, there is some more clarity yep. to Barry's situation. And I think that the Vegas hiring and especially the week's bomb yesterday with Tortorella and expected to go to Philly and the offer there would indicate that we're in a situation that, you know, maybe this, this timeline of Elliot's could very well be the case. Nothing's going to happen today, of course, because it's the first day of the cup final, unless I'm inside or break some news. But at the same time, Ken, um, you know, time is of the essence, especially for a team, particularly the Winnipeg Jets. Because this is just the first of a long laundry list of important decisions that this team needs to be Thank needs you. to make. But it really Thank does seem like the head coaching and who that guy is going to be could have some significant impact to um, to what exactly they do. You know, with players like Mark Shifley and how the roster looks next year. Yeah, for sure, Hassan. I mean, again, I know that people want this to happen and fast forward, but free agency only opens on around July. 14th or so after the draft so there could be trades the week of the draft for sure but i mean two of the two of the participants that could be involved the avalanche and lightning aren't making any trades in the middle of the cup final right so there still is some time and like i said i do think things will be picking up here shortly and i'm with elliot i mean with two days in between games one and two of course there could be numerous coaching announcements over the next couple of days, but it's not a guarantee that it will happen. And, and I mean, I'm just like everybody else. I'm very curious to see how it goes, but you know, I'm let not sure we're going to see a press let conference me, in this week. Let, let me ask you this. I mean, considering Vegas is done, sounds like Philly's done um, from all indications. There is a highly, you know, likely if we believe the best in the game that, Peter DeBoer could very well be the the uh, Dallas head coach. Yep. I don't think a lot of people, and we haven't heard a lot of Barry Trotz being Detroit's guy. Yeah, it's, um, that, 
That's sort Timeline of so. Doesn't make much so sense. I mean, we've known that Barry Trotz is the number one choice of the Winnipeg Jets. They've seemingly been in the mix right up until this point. The other jobs are getting filled. What, in your opinion, what's the biggest threat to Jet fans that are hoping that Barry Trotz is the next coach? I mean, what? Where's the wrinkle? Because it doesn't seem like it's these other teams right now. Even with the reported seven million dollar offer that was thrown at Trotz by the Flyers. Right. So for me, that's why I said earlier, Haas, I said the biggest impediment for any team is that maybe Barry takes a deep breath this year. Uh, Like we said, it was hard on him emotionally. He lost his mother. Um, He's going to be making, he could be making $5 million to not coach this year. So if you're having some doubt, you're already getting paid $5 million. I mean, there's no rush for Barry to be coaching next year, Haas. So to me right now, that would be the biggest impediment for him landing with the Jets. we I've said to you, to you from the very beginning, I don't see money being an issue. I think the True North would spend the allocated funds and invest that in the brand and the property uh, and in the hockey club. So, I mean, for me, I think this just comes down to whether or not Barry is going to be ready to coach next season. And if he, I think it's not a matter of if he wants to do it in his home province. I think he would be fine with doing that. But... I think he's working more on the personal side of things before he comes to a decision. We've heard lots of different things and rumblings and everything else, but I honestly think Barry is being very thorough. And here's the thing. The teams need Barry more than Barry needs the teams right now, based on where his life is at. So that's not to say he doesn't want to do it or won't do it, but right now for him, you know, it's an important decision and and he's taking the (laughs) necessary time to, come to that decision and leaving the trots watch folks like us um, chasing as many calls as we can make. Uh, one quick thing I want to say, I, you know, we've always talked about other candidates. Uh, my understanding is that Jim Montgomery had a very good interview in Vegas. Uh, still very much, I think on the, the jets radar potentially as well. We've talked about him before. Um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of happens next. A lot of people wondering about Boston. We're hearing around here that maybe Jay Leach might be the front runner. Uh, we're not saying Boston's going to be rebuilding, but so many of their players, Huss, will be missing at the start of the year. And then there's still the big question mark about Patrice Bergeron. So Jay Leach is a name that's been bandied about here. Um, outside of that, like there's still, everyone is sort of chasing their tail, if you will. I mean, to see where things are going to land. There's a lot of, che- you know, there's still some chairs open, but there's a lot of quality candidates that would be capable of filling those chairs in those other markets. So we should be getting clarity sooner than later, but, um, it may still be a few days, I guess. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think the Jets have, have maintained and have you know, shown by their actions that they're willing to be as patient as it takes to get their yeah. guy. But you can't be so patient to wait a year. <laughs> like they got a season well, coming up and some big decisions. So well, if that that's is the, the case- thing, Huss, right? So quick one. If Barry wanted to wait a year, the Jets aren't going to give the job on an interim basis to someone <laughs> and say, oh, by the way, you'll be head coach next year. How do you feel about being the associate to Barry Trotz uh, the season after that? I mean, that's not going to be the case either. So, again, I think that, that the biggest thing, we know that fans are anxious and restless, but this is a decision the Jets have to get right. Based on their roster, like you had said, you know, what's going to happen with Shifley? What we're hearing around here, Huss, is that I think there have been steps taken towards trying to, um, I'm not saying mend the fences, but... Uh, I, I would say I'm much much less bullish on Shifley being moved than I was previously. I don't think that Mark has asked for a trade. I know Hus, I know what you've said before. That doesn't mean his agent hasn't. 
My understanding is that Shifley's camp is totally fine with him being in Winnipeg, but sure, it could depend on what moves are going to be made and who's the head coach. But I don't think that Mark Shifley has been begging his way out of town, even though a lot of our you know interpretations of his play and listen to him talk, you would think that he was like, what's changed? I guess what I'm telling you is this is what I'm hearing. I'm not saying this is not firsthand knowledge. I'm saying it's not necessarily a done deal that he will be on a different team. It's, that's not to say it still couldn't happen. And I know that um, I thought it was more likely that he would be on the way out, but and he still could be. But I think the interesting thing for me, two things, Huss. The Rangers exit, what's happening with Ryan Strom. If you're the Rangers and you have Shesterkin, you're a team that had trouble scoring at five on five. What does Mark Shifley do, Huss? He produces at five on five and on the power play. I mean, if you're looking at Zabanajad and Shifley down the middle, given how well Mika has taken on the responsibility of becoming a two-way player, I could think there's an offer to be made there. You know, is it Philip Heedle? Is it Braden Schneider? Is it one of their high-end prospects on the back end? I mean, these are all things that will be under consideration. And the other team, I previously thought Boston until we heard about the injuries. Now I think it's more likely a team like Carolina maybe steps up and makes an offer. They're a team that feels like they've been on the precipice for a while, but same thing. They haven't been able to get over the top and scoring has been one of their major issues. So like maybe a Marty Natchez makes sense in a Shifley as part of a package, but here's the other part. And what Elliot has also been reporting, if Pierre-Luc Dubois is not ready to sign long-term at this time, I don't think the Jets run the risk of being down the middle without Shifley or Dubois. And again, I'm not saying that Dubois is going to be moved either. I think the most likely scenario, if he doesn't get that long-term deal done, is a one-year, either it's arbitration or it's a raise from his contract, and then they try to feel like they have one more year to convince him, sort of on the Jacob Truba plan. You go for it one more year with him down the middle with Shifley and Dubois, and you hope that the next coach can drill in on Shifley to get back to that two-way playing game and that Dubois maybe reconsiders his long-term future and they kind of go from there. But uh, I still think there's a chance there could be some, you know, the Jets are one of those teams that could have a big impact on the offseason in terms of potential movement and in terms of potential, you know, widening of the leadership core and potentially moving some pieces in and out, especially on the, the kind of the forward side. I mean, we also know there's a glut on defense that still needs to be remedied. So, some of these deals that are potentially being talked about, I think there would be defensemen involved to kind of get some things sorted out, whether it comes to making room for prospects or moving on those prospects to upgrade the forward group. Hey, how different is Wheeler's situation, in your opinion, than Shifley's right now? I mean, obviously, the, I mean, they both have two years left. Blake's yep. certainly older. Um, he's the captain right now. Um regardless of Mark Shifley, what happens with him? What are you hearing and where are things at with Blake and how do you see things playing out this summer? Yeah, I mean, what we found out at the end of last season, they were not attached at the hip on the same line the way they had been for so long. Uh, Do I think there's, I mean, the the Wheeler-Shifley-Hellebuck window, is it now going to be, I mean, is one person off the marquee? Are two people off the marquee? Uh, what we know from Elliot's reporting as well is that Hellebuck is totally fine with where things are at. Uh, he's back to being sort of more of the stabilizing factor. And somebody who knows Hellebuck really well told me last week, Huss, last year would not have sat well with Hellebuck. Not 
not his numbers, not the way that went for the team. Hellebuck's the kind of guy that's incredibly driven. We know the only thing he cares about is winning the Stanley Cup. He's probably been in the gym and on the ice doing everything that he can be. I mean, we know some of his numbers were still at the above average to elite levels in terms of goals saved above expected. But Hellebuck's tired of hearing about how the, all of these other guys are the goalies on the rise and they're the elite of the elite and the cream of the crop, including, you know, Shesterkin and Vasilevsky, which those two guys deservedly so. But Hellebuck wants to be in that conversation again moving forward, and I think he's going to have an incredible year. I wouldn't call it a bounce-back year, but I'm expecting Hellebuck to have an outstanding summer and to be the guy who is doing a lot of the leading when it comes to getting the Jets, trying to get the Jets back on track and being, you know, being a playoff team. Um, Sorry, I didn't answer your Wheeler question. I don't have a good feel, Huss. I would say this. I think it's, I would be, I would, I think that he might be open, more open to the possibility of moving on than he had been previously. Does that mean he's asked to be moved or not? Or are the Jets exploring it? Uh, that I, I don't have a firm grip on that, Huss. But I would think that, would I, would I be going to the cool bet lines to say Blake Wheeler is going to finish his career as a Winnipeg Jet? That I'm not sure about right now. No, that's uh, that's fair. Uh, back to Shifley for a minute. And by the way, when you see our pal Frank say hi, uh, he, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want to say pour a little bit of gas on some smoldering yeah. embers, but I mean, he did say something that we heard before. I mean, they're the rep that Mark Shifley's developed and the issues that they had had within the dressing room, well documented. But Frank said on that program that part of the uh, the hesitancy to win, and I know B.A. will like this, is that you can't win a Mark Shifley trade. And that the market, I mean, do you, do you subscribe to that? Do you think that, and again, when, like, when do you win? Do you win short-term? Do you win long-term? There's a lot of different ways to evaluate it. It depends what's coming back. But, I mean, what are you hearing and what do you make of what a potential market for Shifley would be? Because I'll be honest, I don't really think that that would be the case. If the Jets are serious about moving a player that has done what he's done in the NHL and comes with the offense that he does, I would think, especially with that contract, and this kind of goes back to why we started talking about this in November, that there would be some real value at this moment if the Jets did trade him. Do you think that's the case? Or is would this be a matter of trading a player, um, you know, at a dip in his value? Well, Huss, that dip still includes six consecutive seasons of being a point-of-game player or yeah, better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what, I mean, are you tr- are you selling low on a guy who was disengaged at times in the defensive zone? Sure, but here's the thing. Right now, it sounds like there hadn't been enough offers to make the Jets interested in making the move. But Huss, here's the thing. You only need to have a bidding war between two two teams to have an actual raise in the value of the offers that are coming in. So our teams, you know, our teams going to the sale rack and saying, oh, yeah, we'll take Mark Shifley, but why don't you take this player who had a bad year? Or why don't you take this prospect who was once a triple A prospect and is now a B plus prospect? So what we know is this, Huss, no team is making its best offer for Mark Shifley on June 15th, unless you're in a panic scenario. And most teams don't operate in a panic scenario. Uh, I think that Mark's trade value will be at its absolute highest the week of the draft uh, when teams have a better gauge of maybe what they're going to be doing. Uh, What we've also heard from Elliot and others, uh, another one of the wrinkles for some teams are the potential teams walking away on the qualifying offer. So if if somebody else is out there 
uh, Elliot and you know Mark Lazarus, they've used a Dylan Strom as an option. So we've talked a lot. Well, who's the Jets' second line center if Shifley's traded? Well, what if Dylan Strom is available? Just as an example, I can't believe you read my mind. Ryan Strom is. A, I was. Ryan I was Strom is available also. I was about to ask you about Dylan Strom, and it was a name right. I brought up on the show yesterday because he's a really intriguing player to me. A third overall yeah. pick that was dealt from the Coyotes to the Blackhawks at times looked very much like a top six center in the league. Yeah. And listen, I know it's been real tough times in Chicago the last little while, and sometimes young players handle that better than others. I mean. What would you think? I mean, would, would Dylan Strom, is he the guy that, you know, could come in and maybe if there was an opening at the center position, could he come in? And do you have confidence that he would be a, a good ad for the Jets? What do you make of his situation in particular? Because Ryan, I think, could very well end up on the market because regardless of what happens if they add anyone, yep. it's sort of been from people that cover the Rangers that it's probably going to come down to a decision between Andrew Kopp and Strom and Andrew Kopp did quite a bit to uh, endear himself to management, I'm sure, with the way he played since coming over from the Jets. Yeah, he absolutely did, Huss. Uh, Dylan Strom is interesting. Yes, he has been a point producer, uh, but l- let's look at what the Jets are looking for. They're looking for more of a two-way conscience. I don't see Strom as being that. He's more of an offensive player. He's not a great skater, uh, and he's not overly defensive, and he's not overly physical. Excuse me. Uh, glad I got the mute button on Excellent that. Excellent muting. Yeah, that yeah. Was hey, the- we, we are doing our best here. Dude, um, you're on today. So Strom, Dylan Strom is interesting. To me, I would say Ryan Strom makes more sense for the Jets, but he would cost more. So I would say Dylan Strom will be more of the plan B for teams. But some teams are going to be intrigued by him. But, I mean, Strom's best success has come with Patrick Kane. So that means he is a good playmaker. But there are still some deficiencies in his game. So... Uh, would he be at the top of the list? No, but would he be a guy that you're making a call to his agent to see what's going to cost? Absolutely. Do you, do you think that he might actually not get a qualifying offer and just be a UFA? I do. I, I mean, that's, that's both from Elliot and Mark Lazarus, who I spent wow. some time with during the Western Conference Final. I mean, they're in total rebuild mode. I mean, Dylan Strom is a, is a, is a placeholder for when the team is going to be good. So if they only want to spend closer to the floor than to the top of the ceiling... I mean, then maybe it doesn't make sense. They have some other internal candidates. I mean, let's also not forget, I mean, it's more of the last coach. It was Colleton and not Derek King. But, I mean, Dylan Strom was a healthy scratch at times last year, which was inconceivable for a team that had very limited offense. So he's got a very interesting situation. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Could he make sense for the Jets? Yes. But I I still think that there are a few check marks uh, that he doesn't necessarily, uh, a few boxes he doesn't Put, put the full check mark in. He'd have a he'd have a couple of half or three quarter points, but certainly worth exploring, I would say. Yeah. Well and, and Chicago itself is fascinating in that, you know, we're hearing Debrinkat being out there. And I mean if you're trading Debrinkat and you're moving off of Strom, I mean what exactly you're trying to do other than potentially well, get tank. Connor Bedard. <laughs> you're trying to tank us. So you're trying to win the lottery. That's what you're trying to do. Uh they've acknowledged it's a longer term process there, I believe. Uh and a lot of again having spent some time with, with Laz uh, last week uh, in Edmonton. Um, this is a team that should have started this re- reset four or five years ago, and now they're embracing it to be all in on that scenario. So, Do you think they regret s- trading for Seth Jones the way they did and signing him to the $9.5 million eight-year extension uh, at a point where now they're trading away you know, all, all the quality players on their roster? I mean... <sighs> 
Uh, so they're a year away from Kane and Taves coming off the books, right? So teams are always looking. For, what have we been talking about here? The Jets are looking for a number one defenseman. Josh Morrissey had an outstanding season, but Chicago thought they were getting a number one defenseman for eight years, right? So those guys cost money, and it's a big-time commitment. So is it unfortunate now for Seth Jones, who thought he was leaving a situation in Columbus where they maybe weren't doing as much winning as he had hoped, and now going to a place where he's going to be doing even less winning? For sure, but he also got paid handsomely to make that move. Um, do I think they regret it? I mean, that's, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, I think that Seth Jones is still a very good player. Uh, I know that the analytics last year weren't very good, but uh, this I've got news for you, Huss, and we've seen it. Uh, when you play on a team that's bad defensively, your underlying numbers are generally not very good. Uh, and I would also say Chicago hasn't exactly had a lot of stellar goaltending uh, in the last year. So some of those numbers can get pretty skewed. And we also know that some of their skilled players uh, don't really care to defend, uh, which is something that, that we've seen at times uh, with the Jets too. So uh, it'll be interesting off season coming up for sure. And a lot of teams have a lot of big choices to make. And it'll be interesting to see what kind of choices are being made on a lot of levels. And, and what's the market like us? I mean, in a flat cap world, are people going for security? Are teams saying, no, we'll go two years? Are players saying, I want five? I mean, it, it's super fascinating. I'm not sure exactly that, that the agents know. Everyone's always asking for the max, but what are teams saying? And what are players thinking in terms of when the, when the cap is going back up and when the financial situation is improving. No doubt about it. Uh, Ken Weaves with us. Um, the guys are coming up right after our show. If you're with us on YouTube, we'll uh, bump you over there, do a little bit of a raid on Kenny and Rennie. I'm glad we spent all this time talking about <laughs> you know this stuff and not the final, because I know you guys will be doing that at that point. But just quickly, give us a little bit of the buzz uh, around Denver and uh, your media colleagues before the game, to, before the game tonight. I, I, I've been saying this all week. I'm more excited about this Stanley Cup final than I've been in a long time because of the matchup that we had. And uh, what way are you leaning on this one, Ken? Yeah, it's the great vibes around the arena. I mean, it was, uh, you know, everyone in the buzz in town is fantastic. Players are jazz. They had the Stanley Cup was in the room for the media day. The Consmite trophies there. You know, it, it's great to be back. You know, people were at, players were at pods. You had more personal conversations. I mean, yes, there were still some scrums with the big players, but it was easier to have a conversation. I spent some time talking with Zach Bogosian former Jet yesterday. Um, in terms of the predictions business, I mean, man, this is a legit pick em series, Huss. I would say the people that I've talked to are leaning slightly towards the avalanche, but here's the thing. Nobody is comfortable betting against the Lightning, Huss, based on experience, track record, and the decisive edge is clearly between the blue paint. Uh, that's not to say Darcy Camper can't play well enough to win the Stanley Cup, if he is adequate to above average, that might be enough. But Vasilevsky right now is out of his mind and resembling the goaltender that's been incredibly hard to beat when the games matter most. And the fact that the Lightning will have Braden Point for game one, Huss, and the, and the Avalanche will not likely have Nazem Kadri or Andrew Cogliano. I mean, that, does, that, does that turn the tables a little bit? I don't know. I, I'm leaning towards Colorado. I'm not comfortable with betting against John Cooper really either. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't throw down a very hefty sum, but I think it's avalanche in six or seven. I'm going to say six because everyone says seven's a cop-out, but I legit think this series is going seven. I think Kale McCarr is your Consmite MVP. 
And I think that Nathan McKinnon is absolutely going to thrive in this series. He's gone up head to head with Connor McDavid. He's gone head to head with Ryan O'Reilly and whether it's Anthony Sorelli or Steven Stamkos, he's up for the challenge. This guy is in the Sidney Crosby laser focused zone. And I think he's going to have a dynamite series. And the fact that Mikko Rantanen got himself going offensively last round, Huss, was a massive, massive boost for the Colorado Avalanche. And I think that Devon Tabes has an outstanding series against Nikita Kucherov. That's why I'm leaning towards the Avalanche. Yeah, I'll say this. Much easier to score against the Oilers and Mike Smith than what they'll be going up against in the Tampa Bay Lightning. Last one for you. You mentioned John Cooper. Um, I'm interested in your perspective on the coaching matchup because Coop just continues to get it done, press the right <laughs> buttons. And listen, Bednor has done that over the course of the last few years. But, I mean, this is the Stanley Cup final he's going up against. Do you, do you see it as a major advantage for Tampa on the coaching side of things? Or is that maybe overstated just because we've seen them in the finals the last couple of years? Yeah, I think John Cooper's the best coach in the NHL. Huss. I think his in-game adjustments are fantastic. Uh, he's fabulous to deal with. He's very loose today. Uh, Jared Bednar, as his personality, was quite straightforward and uh, not revealing a whole lot. Uh, I think that he has bridged the gap considerably. Uh, so I would say that the Lightning have the edge behind the bench slightly because of John's experience. Uh, but I think Bednar is one of the smartest coaches in the NHL. Uh, I know that you saw it, Huss. I, I did a, almost a 3,000-word feature on how Jared Bednar got into coaching, including being convinced over uh, – you know, a few beverages on a warm South Carolina night by his his friend and former teammate, Jason Fitzsimmons, that maybe he should retire as the captain of the Stingrays and go behind the bench. I uh, told me that great story this week. And this is a guy who loves coaching. He loves the sport. He's passionate. He's always looking for solutions. And as he said today, we get it. The Lightning have the experience. Guess what? Our job is to prove that we're the best team in the NHL. I love the confidence he's been exuding. It's not cockiness. He's confident in his group. And I think that he will push the right buttons in this series and embrace the matchups. And But having said that, I mean, John Cooper has done a good job of winning most of the coaching head-to-head battles that he's had. I think it's a dynamite series, six or seven. And I cannot wait to get inside Ball Arena today uh, for game one. The atmosphere is going to be absolutely electric in both buildings Fabulous hockey markets, and can't wait to get it. Bart Scott special, Huss. Can't wait. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Uh, okay, great people in here for this conversation. If you haven't already, hit that red subscribe button. Hit the thumbs up as well. Kenny and Rennie, live at 3 o'clock p.m. We'll finish up this program, and if you're with us in the YouTube chat, you won't need to go anywhere. We'll just shoot you over to KNR. Ken, two things on the way out. Promo your show for 3 p.m., <laughs> And number two, who do you have winning the U.S. Open? Oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to kind of go a little bit off the board because it doesn't happen often. I'm going to ride with Rory in the U.S. Open. Oh, just in time for the promo. We got muted. Well, all we got out of that was you got Rory. Let let me do because we can't hear Ken. Uh, Rory McIlroy is going to be his pick. Oh, you're back. Oh, you're back. Did hey. I lose you guys? Yeah, I think you got a call or something like that. Rory McIlroy, you're thinking? Uh, oh, Ken's out. Well, let me finish the promo for Ken. Ken likes what Rory did last week at the Canadian Open. He thinks he's going to win. Oh, Ken's back. All right. I was just sorry, doing your pick. Sorry. Rory McIlroy, and then promo your show. 
sorry, catch us on the YouTube channel, Kenny and Rennie YouTube, top of the hour after you're done. Uh, check out our work. Sean's here, Luke Fox. We're going to have the post, or we had a pregame hit to tee it up. Hopefully a couple post gamers during the week. And uh, as always, thanks for the support. And I got to uh, hopefully catch a quick hit with our boys on uh, 590 come, or six, no, 960. I'll get it right eventually. Perfect. Just to clarify, you're going off the board and picking the betting favorite, Rory McIlroy, to win the U.S. Open. Just because of the unlikelihood of winning two weeks in a row, Hus. That's why I feel it's unlikely, even though, yes, I'm not winning a lot of scratch by going with Rory. I just think that he played so well and he's ready to roll. Ken, have a great weekend. We'll look forward to the show coming up at three. Great chat. Thanks, and buddy. great just to get a tour of Denver with you as well for those of us that have been falling on YouTube the entire time. <laughs> was a, uh, where in the world is Carmen San Diego in the back of an Uber? And uh, we're here to do the best we can, Hus. It's, uh, it's glorious to be alive. It should be a great series. And uh, as always, Thanks to everybody for listening and watching and checking us out. Have a great week, my man. Grab a bottle of water. We'll see you in half an hour. You know it. Cheers. There's Ken Weave with us. Of course, Kenny and Rennie. I didn't know that Ren was down there, but he was looking resplendent as well. The boys will fire it up after our program over on the Kenny and Rennie YouTube channel. Uh, But just hang with us till the end of the program, and we'll shoot you over there as soon as we are done. All right, well, it was a nice little segue into the U.S. Open. Can't not have Feinberg on the show before we get going. By the way, some great entries so far. Had a couple winners last night in our Assiniboia Downs Pick'em Contest. Completely free to win um, so and free to enter. So hang out for that. We'll uh, get our picks and get your picks into Sherry over to Assiniboia Downs for a chance to join us for a wonderful night at the races with uh, you and a guest, the beautiful prime rib buffet and more. So stay tuned for that. Feinberg coming up next. Of course, when we're talking golf, we're doing it for our friends at Breezy Bend. Of course, in absolutely mint shape right now. And if you're thinking about a long-term home for you and your family, for your golfing future, think about Breezy Bend. Uh, You can get on the waiting list right now for next season, uh, but it might be a good time to check out the website at breezybend.ca or give a call to Corey Johnson, our good friend, the general manager, and find out more about opportunities going forward at Breezy Bend Country Club. Uh, The gang at Not Auto Corp, uh, such great sponsors of ours and supporters. I went to the game with Trevor and his gang on Friday. Of course, big sponsors, the Bombers as well. And uh, listen, they got a lot of fans in this city because um, they put so many Manitobans into amazing rides at a great price. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot team? Pop down and see them at Waverly and McGillivray. Check out all the cool cars on the lot, including your Tesla options. Find out more on the Tesla Experience program as well. Or check them out online at knot.ca and get your shopping started as well. Knot Auto Corp, proud sponsors of Winnipeg Sports Talk since day one. Uh, And of course, Princess Auto. Speaking of big bomber sponsors, uh, man, they've been great to us and been great to all of our teams for doing the gold eyes this season. And of course, when we get to the Bombers Stadium, IG Field for their next game, get there a little early, check out the Princess Auto tailgate party, DJ Finesse spinning the tunes, grab a couple cold ones, and then get in and see the Blue Bombers do what they do, and that's win at IG Field. Of course, Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. You could visit them in-store on Panet Road or Portage Avenue West or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And hey, if you're looking for a great spot to watch the game tonight, pop by your local Boston Pizza, happy hour from 3 until 6 and 9 until 12. And of course, all those great appetizers, cold beers, 
gourmet pizzas and Boston's wings. And hey, if you're staying at home for the game, order online, check out their game day deals online at bostonpizza.com. All right, US Open gets going tomorrow. As I mentioned, we've got a full US Open preview on the Cool Bet channel I did with the guys earlier today. You can check that out. But right now, let's welcome in my guy, Jeff Feinberg, to break it down and get us ready for tee-off at Brookline. Jeff Feinberg joins us now. You can see him as a regular on the media Mayo, uh, the Mayo Media Network. Follow him at gfeinberg17 on Twitter for all the other content he's cranking out. Feinberg, what's up? How are you? Doing well, Huss. Uh, exciting U.S. Open week. Storylines are, are plenty. You know, there's not too much focus on who the Sunday hero is going to be at the moment just yet. No, not yet. And I'll tell you what. I think a lot of people, uh, certainly Canadian golf fans, still buzzing from that amazing weekend we had last week. First off, shout out to the queen, Brooke Henderson, for getting the dub 11 total titles for her. The winningest Canadian golfer ever. And then the scene out at the RBC Canadian Open was uh, was just incredible. And our guy Tony Finau going with Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas in that final group. Picture-perfect return of the Canadian Open after two years dark because of COVID. And you will be putting on the nice blazer as a host next year. Your club hosting the event next year. Yeah, so that is uh, really exciting, you know, personally exciting for myself uh yeah but but it'll be a hard act to follow st george's they did an incredible job uh golf canada did an incredible job the entire event the galleries the like everything about last week was spectacular uh and then to have that leaderboard so it will certainly be a hard act to follow but rory's going to be coming back to canada looking for that three-peat hustler so it's pretty exciting well, let's, uh, you know, and we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. And who knows? I, I'm planning on trying to get out there next year. So maybe we can have a couple of cold Ooh. ones together and enjoy the tournament and, um, you know, do some live stuff. But let's get down to business. We've got the U.S. Open at Brookline. Um, listen, for people unlike us that haven't been spending the last number of days pursuing odds boards and taking in all the information, what do people need to know about this U.S. Open, this course, before we talk about the players that are going at it? Yeah, Hass, I mean, I guess for the most part, um, it's hard to know a lot of the course courses we come to so sparingly. We haven't been here in forever, uh, but it seems long. It seems incredibly narrow. It seems like the greens are, are very small. It's going to be an exacting golf course where these guys are going to battle for par and uh, to me, that can be the most exciting golf. If you get into trouble, you know, you saw Rory or JT get into trouble or players get into trouble at the RBC and the rough was thick, but they could mash it out there, get it into 120 yard range and, and try to fight for par. By all accounts, people are expecting, you know, your playouts this week are going to have to be straight sideways. So you hit it off the fairway, you're in trouble. And then you got to hit it sideways and you still got like 178 into the these incredibly small uh, greens for par. But it, it feels like when you do the flyovers, like you're in a golf time machine going to this place, Hustler. So many of the great golf courses that we experience right now in American history, they, you know, were classics and then they had some redesign and now they're you know, had to be redesigned back into classics. I almost make the analogy. They're like the baseball stadiums classics. And then we went to concrete bowl and then we had to find a way to turn all our concrete bowls back into classics. The country club has never been touched. You know, it's not like there's some restoration that had to bring it back to its old 
glory days. It, it, it's almost the same course that it's been for 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 hundred plus years, and it, it's pretty exciting hearing the players talk about it. You know, when we break down players for the U.S. Open, it's always long. Uh, the rough's always brutal. Um, you know, bogey avoidance or just being able to make pars is always huge. I mean, when you look at this course, I and mean, when you're basically breaking down the field, I mean, is it distance? Is it driving accuracy because of the very, or is it short game because of how many people are going to miss these small greens and have to get up and down to avoid a big number? So for me, Huss, uh, pretty much since we've been talking, the U.S. Open, you know, going back to 215, 216, the U.S. Open has given us a profile. Um, Spieth won in 15, but since then it was Dustin and Brooks and Brooks and and Woodland and Bryson and Rom. So, yes, for me, it's more of a total driving because they're all fantastic drivers. Through that list, they can, they're sometimes not the most accurate drivers, but they have still found a way to have very successful U.S. Opens. As Mayo likes to put it, if I got to come out sideways, I'd rather be coming out sideways from 340 than 310 or 305. Uh, you know, I guess like you just giving yourself a better chance potentially. There are some shot makers that I do think have a chance here that can play well, like an Abraham answer, like at over 100 to 1 Huss. But I'm good. The USGA is going to have to not reward the profile of those past winners that I've just explained before I change up how I'm going to do this thing from not only the quality of golfers that continue to win this thing, but the skill set of golfers that continue to win the US Opens. I need to be proven wrong before I'm going to get off this. I'm not betting Dustin Johnson, but I say it often. This Dustin Johnson prototype, you know, that me and you would have spoken about in 2015, 2016. Now, that you know, everyone that comes on tour can almost do what he does, and they're better putters at 20 years old than he certainly ever was. But it is that prototype that I still remain looking for at a U.S. Open. Well, you know, there's four clear favorites. Uh, I'm just going to pull these uh, cool bet odds up here. Uh, you've got Rory McIlroy, who is the favorite, plus 1150. Uh, we've got a 1350 number on Justin Thomas, and then 16 to 1 currently on John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler. Brooks famously said, You can pretty much, uh, you know, axe 80% of the field. And I certainly do believe this is going to be one of the guys that, you know, is more near the top of the leaderboard than any sort of a bomb. Of those four players, if you were going to throw a nickel on just one of them, who uh, who gets your support amongst the top dogs? Well, I guess I would cop out by saying I would certainly just start by taking those two at 16 to 1. I would take the better numbers, and I would play from that. Um, Rory McIlroy, people got to bet him in Canada last week at 10 to 1, and if you hit that, congratulations to you, and you're probably snickering at people running to bet him at 10 to 1 uh, you know, to win the U.S. Open this week. Also something that I think needs to resonate that has with me, if Rory wins this week, Hustler, I am going to, to put hyperbole beyond hyperbole on it. To me, it will be one of the greatest wins not only of his career, but in modern golf beside the Tiger win when you consider the landscape right now. But I say that because anyone who followed last week, what an exhausting week that was for Rory. The questions he's had to answer, the questions he's continued to have to answer, even Justin Thomas acknowledging this week he didn't sleep a ton last week. Like, those guys were up, tossing and turning a bit. I'm sure the same for Rory. When he makes those comments about Greg Norman on the 18th green, which I think are fantastic, but that just shows you he went to bed Saturday night thinking about what he's going to say. 
like the, the the mental toll that I think this has taken to for him to pull through and go back to back and win this championship and get his fifth major, I will consider it such an even greater achievement than I think most. But from a betting perspective, yeah, give me John Rom. Uh, Brooks went back to back. Dustin was a three putt from I think could have been back to back. I don't think it's crazy to think back to back is totally in play for a guy. I don't think there's two better players in the world suited for U.S. Opens in this modern era than John Rom. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I, I jumped on Rom at seventeen to one. The number's gone down to sixteen, and part of it was really liking the number and thought there was great value. And others, he's sort of been the guy that's been a little bit quiet. And man, he was not quiet at the pressers this week. I mean, I think he said exactly. He's probably Tim Fincham's or uh, Jay Monahan, excuse me, his favorite player right now with the way that he handled this live controversy. But he certainly has that game, and you put it all together in maybe the best test in golf. Um, wouldn't it all be surprised to see John Rahm holding uh, holding it up? Actually, I see it's just been another change since the uh, little bit of an update. Rory's now gone down to eleven to one. JT's fourteen to one. Rom's now down to 15 and Scotty Scheffler's up to 17. So there are a lot of people and I'm guilty of this. I mean, I had him at the match play. I had him at the masters. I bet him in advance for the PGA championship. Um, but maybe, I mean, he's probably already the player of the year, Jeff. What do you make of Scheffler? Because he did fade a little bit last weekend. The last month hasn't been up to the impossibly high standard that he set over the first few months. Yeah, uh, I actually really do like Scotty Scheffler. That's why I said be, be between him and Rom. I know my partner in crime, Pat Mayo, declared Monday he's betting on Scheffler. He's just waiting to find the best market as people fall in love and get with Rory JT. So I'll let him know that I guess 17s are now popping for Scotty. Dude, he lost in a playoff to Sam Burns with his C game a month ago, Huss, like three weeks ago. A course where like making par after you hit one into the rough off the tee this is like Scotty Scheffler 101. I do believe it's so nice to see that the golf betting odds makers have now finally decided for us as we're through two majors. We're not putting six, seven guys under 20 to one. There's four of them. They've, it's the right four. And there's a clear demarcation point. In my opinion, I have no doubt I'm going to regret. Uh, you know, I, I thought about it hard. I've been in a couple losers in those high 20s, and I could have, I should have just taken all those funds and bet Scotty Scheffler, but I, I didn't, Huss. Um, outside of Scheffler, there's only three players in the 20s. And earlier today, they were all at 25. Now, Cantley, Xander Shoffley's 25, and Cam Smith has risen to 27. Xander Shoffley is the most automatic top 10, seven straight times at the U.S. Open. Do we just go and get two to one on Xander at top 10? Or is there a player out of those three that you think might be sniffing around and holding a major on Sunday? So, Huss, I can't help myself. And I'm ashamed. I feel like a live player, like having <laughs> to make this announcement. But I'm the guy. Like, for people to fly, other people have to die in the ecosystem <laughs> of golf betting. And people wonder who these people are, like Scheffler, Cantley. I mean, I softly Cantley. It's me. It's me, friends. I'm the one that allows you guys to live so I can like fall on the sword of betting these guys. I know, you know, I almost was going to turn this in. I might later for an inner a Twitter bit like mimic Phil's press conference when announcing I'm picking Shoffley. Like I know many people here have strong opinions and emotions toward this selection or my decision. I'd like to thank the PGA tour for all the fabulous betting options that they've provided me 
but I am picking Xander Shoffley. I'm not betting it on an each way. I think boring golf is going to rise here, Hustler. And that's why I've identified what I think could be some value. I got Scheffler on a boost to, to 28 to 1. I played the Cantley at 27. Uh, those are my two lowest actual numbers for the week. They just like doing everything at an eight instead of something at a 9.5, I really think is going to play uh, perfectly this week. So I am quite uh, attracted to both of them. Cam Smith, who I love. I just worry the driver can cause him problems here, Huss. Wiley, uh, Augusta. Like, if you're just sideways here, you're going to pay the price, almost like Canada, in a, in, and he battled to make the cut, and it was awesome. And he has that magic bean element, which I acknowledge. But, um, yeah, no, I'm just – I'm a bit of a fade on Cam Smith. I'm actually playing against him in matchups with both of Shoffley and Cantley, if you must know. Um, uh, the only other bets that I have right now on outrights, and this is we no surprise, and I bet you're with me already. Team Tony, rise up. Close call last weekend. Let's get the major 35 to one on Fino and 35 to one on Victor Hovland. So I think is due and his game maybe projects best to the toughest test of golf. And a guy I know you and Pat talk quite about that a lot of the numbers say might be good. Sung J M who was at 50 has dropped to 45. Um, just quickly outside of the, those guys that we mentioned that are 20 or under um, who are a couple guys that you like best at 30 or above. So I, I like all of those players to me, Victor Hovland, I think he's a way better outright. Like you could bet Victor Hovland to win the tournament and miss the cut. Cause if he's on, I think like I might even get into my Victor by field goal. If he's on, it's going to be like a classic Rory us open. He's going to win by six. He's going to hit 65 greens for the week. Like that's what we could be in for. Fina, what second, fourth, second in his last starts outside the PGA championship. I saw stats going to break your heart. If you bet him last week, like I did for that T2. Do you know that according to the deep math, he'd have won 94 of the last 100 PGA Tour events with his 18 and a half strokes gained um, Tita Green last week? Rory would have won like 98 out of the last 100 because he went into God mode. But it just like, oh, my God, Tony, just another one you feel like could have easily been his that history will will forget. Uh, I'm totally with you on Sung JM. And I think Daniel, Daniel Berger, Joachim Neiman, uh, so I think they're both. Um, very favorable guys. I love, as people know, if they follow me, that 30 to 60 to one range of guys who have never won majors before. That's where I have the most fun betting major championships, despite the U.S. Open telling me that I should probably just pick two of those top four and, and have a ticket on Sunday with my feet up. Like, that's what I would probably advise my best friends who aren't betting the Travelers next week, who aren't just like on this golf wagon week in, week out. What would I do? It's I don't pick two of those guys. Even Jordan Spieth and Morikawa at 28 to 1 could argue is the best true fair bets on, on the board. I like betting these guys that win nothing. Well, I, I've been with you many times, but it makes it that much better when they finally get in if you're riding with them. Hey, quickly, speaking of fun, nobody has more fun talking golf than you and Pat Mayo. What do you guys have planned? Will we have a cut show for the major on Friday afternoon? And uh, just fill us in on any other content that you might be cranking out that people should check out. Yeah, so my final uh, bets and props will be showing up on my feed later today um, <laughs> for Odds Checker. And Friday, we are doing the Cut Sweat Show, Huss. We're switching up the vibe a little. We're going to Twitter spaces. It'll also be through YouTube, but that's just going to allow, um, A, we could just keep it more casual. Uh, we don't need a video element, and we can get, you know, if anyone wants to drop in, raise their hand, join the conversation, 
You know how it works. You could even be watching at home and you see Fleetwood just made a double. You just flip over to the spaces to watch me freak out about it. Like a lot of fun, a lot of fun like that. So however you want to join conversation with me and Tim could always go to fast food. We know paddle yell at Tim. It's a choose your own adventure when it comes to how those cut sweats go, especially if the cut sweat isn't very entertaining and it's kind of being predetermined in that final hour well the entertainment is guaranteed when you all get together i'll be look forward to doing this good luck with the bets let's uh, let's team up and cash it together fino time come on tony make it happen feinberg thanks for doing this buddy uh we'll look forward to catching up in the next few weeks but uh have a great u.s open weekend and uh, we'll look forward to the cut sweat on friday all the best. I'll be in tears if Fleefy now gets the legacy flip house for Father's Day. <laughs> All right. Great stuff with Feinberg. I'm just checking to see. Yeah. Who are you texting? Uh, I, I'm not texting anyone. And maybe I don't know what's up with my DraftKings here, Remo, but I'm looking to see if. Okay. Yeah. We've got 42 out of 50 filled for our DraftKings contest. So there's eight spots left. If you do want to get in for the U.S. Open. It's a, a three bucks Remo, if you can maybe throw that link up in the chat um, or search Winnipeg Sports Talk League on DraftKings uh, or hit us up with a tweet. We'll send you an invite. But uh, yeah, eight spots left to fill that sucker. And I'm sure it will. By the time we get going, good luck to everyone who played. And again, thanks a lot to Jeff for popping by and joining us on the program. And hey, big cheers to our friends at Canadian Club. As I mentioned, many people taking advantage of... Uh, their fine products at IG Field last Friday for the Blue Bomber home openers. Of course, Canadian Club is the official spirit of the blue and gold, uh, along with Jim Beam, uh, Brugal Rum, Northern Keep Vodka. It's all there. You can get it at your local Manitoba liquor marts, but you can definitely get it at IG Field as the official sponsor of the Bombers. And hey, speaking of the Bombers, they've got a great deal going on right now. If you pop by your local Canadian's bottle shop, uh, there's a beer store, you can find Canadian Club ready to drink mixers. The CC and Ginger's good to go. Buy a six pack at the Canadian uh, at the Canadians locations. You get a free Blue Bomber Slim Can koozie and be entered to win for an autographed Blue Bomber jersey. And they're giving away one at each of the Canadian bottle shops. Big thanks to Canadian Club for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, we already talked about it with uh, with Walby. There's been a lot of talk about Little Brown Jug this week, uh, but we will be there a week Friday, June 24th for that live show. We'll see if we can get the big guy down to hang out with us. You're all invited. Book the afternoon off. Come down for the show between one and three, and then we'll stick around and sample some of the uh, fine wares they've got at Little Brown Jug there. Afterwards, of course, you can pick up 1919 and all the other great Little Brown Jug flavors, including the Summer Variety Pack at your local beer store or at Little Brown Jug, and you can also order online at littlebrownjug.ca. Uh, and hey, but big shout out to the Nick and Nikki DQ group. Uh, they have been with us since day number one, and now this is prime blizzard time. Not our usual blizzards, but the good ones, the ones you get at the Nick and Nikki Dairy Queen. They've got four locations, the DQ out in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Pop by tonight for some blizzard and ice cream treats for the fam. And if you're hungry, don't hesitate to jump on one of those new stack burgers that are absolutely unreal. Nick and Nicky DQ. You can also hit them up on Instagram at TQ Manitoba. Custom order your cake in advance and we'll have it ready for you to pick up quick and easy at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQ locations. All right, we will get to the cool bet lines in a minute and stick around 
your chance to join us at Assiniboia Downs for that world-famous prime rib buffet and a great night of racing. We'll get to our picks in a minute. But, Remo, while we were talking to Feinberg, we did see a tweet from Jeff Hamilton, who was on. And this, I will be honest, this is a little bit of an ominous tweet, considering everything that we've heard about the situation regarding the Jets and Barry Trotz. Why don't you pull it up? We'll read it, and we can discuss. So Jeff's tweeting, I'm starting to wonder if Barry Trotz might be considering taking some time off from coaching slash hockey, which is not something out of the blue. It's been mentioned that that was a possibility for Trotz throughout this this uh, process. Money clearly isn't the issue, as the Flyers reportedly offered him $7 million per year. And at 59 years old, he could always return in a year or two. So... That's certainly not what I want to hear right now. I want to hear that he's, you know, closing in on the Jets deal. Who knows? Maybe this is a little bit of negotiating, um, you know, from the trot side of things. Who knows? Uh, that being said, the Jets, obviously, as we just talked with Ken, still very much in on Barry Trotz. But if he's not coaching next year, uh, obviously, that won't help the Winnipeg Jets. So that'll be something. How, how do you read that one, Reem? Why is Jeff wondering this? That's not something you should be wondering. Yeah. Come on, Jeff. Think Certainly positive thoughts. Certainly not out loud in public. Yeah. Why is he starting <laughs> to wonder that and putting need need to put that on Twitter after Ken just came on and said it's still in play. I even put on the bottom, still in play. So, um, uh, yeah, I think that would be if we building this up. This trots watch would be disappointing finish for him to decide not to coach. Instead of taking the Jets job, I'm seeing a lot of people in chat who are saying, well, why would he interview for all these jobs if he wasn't considering? And I think that's something to consider as well. I mean, listen, I he no... did just get fired. You want to keep all your options open. Um, uh, the one thing I'll say is that, you know, when Jeff and most of these guys that are big J's, journalists and, you know, involved, I mean, the stuff is usually coming from, I mean, it's, it, people are asking, is that just him thinking? Well, probably not. Um, he's probably talking to some folks that say, Hey, that is a possibility, which essentially means for everyone that thought that, Oh, all the other dominoes are falling. It's a done deal. It certainly isn't. Um, that being said, by no means does that mean that this can't or won't happen. Uh, I just think that there's a little more intrigue and another reason to join us tomorrow for the latest edition of Trots Watch, I guess, Reem. Yeah, we'll be tuned. We'll be keeping on. Elliot Friedman was on, uh, Jeff Merrick's show. Um, you know, a lot of people coming in and commenting, saying, uh, like, what about him buying the house in Nashville? And uh, I think Elliot was kind of throwing water on that, saying, you know, that's not a huge thing one way or another. And Elliot also saying on the Jeff Merrick show that he still thinks Winnipeg is in it, echoing what Ken said. So I'm just not sure, like, what, who, like, before it was, okay, Vegas, Philly, Winnipeg. Is Detroit, I don't know if like Detroit is a place where you want to go if you're trying to win right away. And Dallas seems to be locked in on Peter DeBoer. And that's what Elliot said on the Jeff Merrick show as well. And has been reported like for the last week. So I'm not sure who else is out there. I guess Florida would be the one if you're waiting to see what they're going to do. You know what? I didn't get into this with Ken just because he was on a roll. And we had a bunch of other things to get to. <clears throat> But for, like hiring Barry Trotz in Florida, and like they still have a coach. This hasn't been, but just let's think about this for a minute. I mean, we would be talking about going in a completely different for, different direction for a team that was built on 
their scoring last year. I mean, the, the, the bread and butter of Barry Trotz teams is lockdown defense. You got to earn everything against them. That didn't happen with Florida. They just outscored everybody all season long. Now, granted it bit them uh, when they went up against the lightning and, you know, for a team that was scoring at will all season long, I think they got three in the series. Um, but of all the teams that I think would be a fit, I mean, listen, I think Barry Trotz could coach anywhere in the National Hockey League, but you want to talk about a 180 from the style that they played and what they had done in the past? Uh, that's sort of the, what I think why it maybe wouldn't make a lot of sense. Although if they thought they had to fix a bunch of the things that they didn't do well, he would be that guy. I just don't know what that does to the Panthers overall as a club that was so prolific this season. And Barry can adapt. You think he wanted to play this lockdown defensive style with the expansion Predators? <laughs> he just did it because that was who was there. Now, Islanders, what they lost... John Tavares, Barry comes in. All right, we don't have our offensive superstar. Let's play some lockdown D. Now, Washington had been, you know, that team as well. I think kind of similar to Florida. Maybe not a, as long, you know, Florida's not as long as Washington was successful, but they couldn't get over the hump. He came in, and uh, they finally got there. And maybe they, Florida would see a similar thing where you you do what you did in Washington, but in, in Florida. So, again, Florida hasn't, you know, made any decisions about uh, interim coach. Andrew Brunette, who previously had been in the front office with Florida and then before that with Minnesota. So we'll wait wait and see what happens. But I think that would be interesting as well. I mean, who wouldn't want to coach in Florida? Sounds great. Going to the rink in shorts, Huss? Did I mention? Do you, I don't know if you knew this, but there's no state income tax <laughs> in Florida, too. I don't know I if you knew that. I believe that was mentioned early on the show as well. Have they you don't even have that? a vacancy yet, so let's not worry about the Florida Panthers uh, for that being said. But what if? All right. Well, what if, what if I could pick a damn winner tonight at Assiniboia Downs? That would be a nice what if because uh, I have not been good so far this week and Remus is catching me. Let's get to our Assiniboia Downs picks and folks grab a pen because this is your opportunity to fire an email in and get on the contest for tonight's race six. Um, Remus and I, if you haven't, if you've been missing it on live racing nights, we each make our picks. We're throwing 20 down each on some different races for a, uh, a contest that will last all year long. He won it last year. I'm looking to regain the crown, but he's carrying on me. Um, this is what you want to do. Get your pen ready. Sherry G S H E R I G at a cinema. Sorry. At a S downs.com is the number. I don't have it in front of me. Hold on a second. I should give a shout out to, uh, who was it last night? Uh, we had a couple winners, Darren Brown, and Paul Sabaris both got wins. So uh, nice work. Nobody got, uh, except for Remus, actually, uh, got the right horse on Monday. So oh, uh, we've got a couple winners so far. Still plenty of time to get in. Um, and again, we'll also be picking a couple winners just of everyone that enters. So feel free. Even if you missed the first two days, don't worry about it. We've only had a couple winners so far. Get your pen. All you need to do is send in an email to sherryg at asdowns.com with your winner of race six. Put in your name and your phone number as well so we can get at you. My picks for tonight, race two. I'm going to put five on number one, strong belief to win. I'm going to go with race number three, $4 on a debuting horse, Wits Memories, to win. Uh, putting $3 on a 5-4 Quinella in race number four. In race five, we're going to do the triactor box, uh, but one buck, six ways, three, six, and eight. And uh, I'll save my race six pick in a moment. Remo, what are your picks outside of race six? Sorry, I'm trying to bring up my the thing here. 
you're going fast for me. Uh, I had the I had the screen that said the email, and then I had to take it off and put this on. It was slow. Uh, I'm doing th- so. Uh, this has been working for me the last couple nights. I'm doing uh, three bets, two five dollar bets, and a ten dollar bet. And I did win. I didn't win on race six, but I did pick the winner correctly on race seven yesterday. So I made all my money back. So I was pretty much even. I won fifty cents net. So I'll go with my picks. Race five. I'm going to place five dollars on Zig. Uh, Zig. Zig for Cassie. Like Zig for Cassie. Exactly. <laughs> Former guest uh, talking to NFL. And I'm going race seven, ten dollars on a Quinella. This is a bit of a chalk Quinella, but I don't, I don't care. I'm in it. Uh, Warbridge and Hot Rodden. There you go. Nicely done. All right, so let's get to race six. Okay, race, race six. six for today. Uh, our it's a big race. There's ten on there. It is a big race. Uh, let's see who's the favorite. The 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 morning line favorite is actually number one. Wicked Fortitude at five to two. Uh, next up is number seven, maybe sometime, which was at three to one, and number two, Soul Freedom. Uh, the other one, so number one's Wicked Fortitude, two Soul Freedom, three Midnight Salute, four Shooting Money, five Golden Eyed, six is McKeg, seven maybe sometime, eight Majestic Street, nine Ridem, and ten fair challenge uh again you can see all of this at hpibet.com and if you do want to you know bet away from the track you can do that like we're doing right here my selection for tonight remo to win race number six is number six mckeg mm-hmm. i can't not help but remember the wins that mckeg had last year so uh, i'm gonna see if mckeg can get it done again i'm going with number six who are you yes i won on mckeg last year so i do have a soft spot i think i may have also been on shooting money i just like hearing uh, kurt announced uh, announced shooting shooting money golden eyed i could be into i've been hearing about the possible golden eye remake on xbox that's being rumored here but i'm going with number two soul freedom uh, that is my selection, Soul Freedom tonight. And I did win. I hey, I'm two for two days in a row with winners. I'm catching up to you in terms of our standings. I think you're up like twenty bucks on me or something. I am. I you had am. a big I had lead. That, I had a big a lead. nice start early, but uh, Remus has closed the gap a little bit over the last couple of days. So again, you got ten options. All you do is just put in the number of the horse. You don't need the name. Uh, at Sherry S H E R I G at asdowns.com. Include your name and phone number. Uh, we're compiling the entries throughout the weeks. And at the end of next week's live racing, uh, we'll get probably the top three. We will get the top three who have picked winners. We'll get an invite and we'll do a random draw for a couple of other guests to come with a guest. Enjoy the buffet and have a great night at the races with myself and Remus. All right, let's get to the cool bet lines for tonight. Game one of the Stanley Cup final. And you've still got time to get in on the series as well. The series, Avalanche to win, minus 169. Tampa, plus 144. Again, just to let you know what that means is if you if you want to bet the Avalanche, you'd have to bet $169 to win 100. So 169 bet on the Avs to win the Cup would pay you 269 With the Tampa Bay Lightning at plus 144, a $100 bet on the Tampa Bay Lightning would win you 144 on that and would return 244. 
Um, probably the game, the bet that I like maybe the most is the series line at Tampa plus one and a half. I actually got that at plus, uh, minus 130 a little earlier this week, uh, but it's minus 143 now. That would mean if Tampa wins the series, you win the bet, or if the series goes to seven games, you would win that as well. Um, series total games over five and a half is minus 179. Under five and a half is plus 145. Certainly think this is going to go six or seven. And uh, there's all sorts of props with total goals in the series. Um, points and whatnot. You can all check those out at CoolBet. As far as tonight's game, though, goes, Tampa is the underdog on the road, plus 125, and the Colorado Avalanche, minus 141. Uh, listen, I'm on Tampa at the beginning of the playoffs at 12 to 1. I still can't understand how they are not, you know, how we're getting plus 144 on them. Um, and I do think that John Cooper, but particularly Andre Vasilevsky, are the difference. Could be wrong, though, and that's why there's so much intrigue going into this series, Reem. Mm -hmm. Well, I did do a poll for who's going to win the Cup. 50%, it's like 50% say Tampa Bay, 49% say Colorado. I guess there's some rounding there. I believe it was 51% Tampa. So, and I will so say pretty about, much a pick em. I will say this about the odds. I know a lot of people, American odds may be confusing, may be familiar with ProLine. I do like switching them to the decimal odds. So you just multiply your bet times the odds. So Tampa would be, you know, 2.25 times. That's to win tonight. To win the series, it would be Tampa, you know, 2.44 times your bet. Colorado to win the series, 1.59 times your bet. So it depends. Depends, I guess, what you grew up with. They use the decimal odds in, in Europe. I find, I find them a bit easier, but I guess, you know, you get used to either one. It, it really depends. Yeah, and, you know, you can go to CoolBet and choose it. Yeah. And as I said, everything up there for the U.S. Open as well. Rory McIlroy is the favorite. We've got four guys inside of 20 to 1, uh, and that's it. And a great chat with the with the Feinberg about that earlier. Um, Rory McIlroy is your favorite, followed by Justin Thomas. Uh, right now, latest odds, 11 to 1 on Rory, 14 to 1 on JT, 15 to 1 on John Rahm, 17 to 1 on Masters champion, Scotty Scheffler. All right, it has been a great show, but we should get out so we can send everyone over to Kenny and Rennie. If you're with us on YouTube, you don't need to go anywhere. Uh, Rima will press a magic button and send you over there. Tomorrow's show will be great. Uh, Dubs is going to be on with us. We'll get his thoughts on the first round of the U.S. Open, and we'll also continue Trot's Watch and discuss the first game of the Stanley Cup Final with Murata Tesh and more and eddie tate join us from ottawa on friday to set up the bomber game dave pagnotta from the cup final and uh who knows maybe some clarity to trots watch on winnipeg sports talk one way or the other you know we'll be talking about it here so folks make sure you join us if you haven't already hit that red subscribe button the sub numbers continue to grow be part of the crew thanks to everyone that's joined us today and on your way out on the way to kenny and rennie do us a favor and make sure you hit that thumbs up Got 177. would be great to get to 200. Obviously, there's people that haven't done it because we're close to 300 people in the room right now. So your gift to us, just a simple thumbs up. Thanks so much for doing it. And hey, tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk as well. Hey, big thanks to all of our sponsors. Vita Health, F Apparel, Aikens Lake, Wallace & Wallace, Culligan, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, BP, great spot to watch the game tonight. Nick and Nicky DQ, Assiniboia Downs Canadian Club, 
and Cool Bet Canada. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Trot's Watch continues tomorrow on the program. Enjoy the game tonight. And if you're still with us on YouTube, stay tuned. We're going to send you over to Kenny and Rennie right now. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.